Welcome to Things You Didn't Ask For and Didn't Need To Know, the show where we discuss random stuff that we find interesting before deep diving into our main topic, which this week is UFOs. I'm Mart. I'm Donald. And I'm Barry. So before we start, I'm just going to remind you all, if you do like the show, hell, even if you don't, click like, click subscribe, ring that bell if you're on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed on on whatever platform you're listening to this on, and... What I definitely really want people to do, and we don't get a lot of it, comment on the videos. I know you probably have to go over to YouTube if you're on Spotify or something, but um, we'd always be interested to hear what you say. We do read the comments. I'd be curious just to get your take on all the various topics of the day that we talk about. So, um, I guess we'll start with Barry as always. Okay. Barry, what have you got for us today? All right. So, I was looking up some stuff and I came across these um, the most expensive things in the world. And I just thought, yes. That is interesting to me. Uh, nobody asked for it. Nobody needs to know it. But here we go. Um, at number 10 is Garçon à la Pipe, I think. Or pipe. Are these the most expensive things in the things world? Things in the world. Oh, most wow. so not things. the most expensive yeah. liquids. Because I was going to no, say, I know what that the, is. No, the liquids. <laughs> yeah. the liquids. These are just things. Um, so there's a painting by Picasso called Garçon à la Pipe, which is worth $104 million. Uh, And these are in dollars. I didn't bother doing conversions. So. Uh, We're so. going to go on a side rent. Yeah, go ahead. Paintings being expensive. I, I mean, mean, it's insane. It's insane. Like, for example, Lars Ulrich, the drummer of Metallica, makes t shirt I'm wearing this evening, uh, makes more money from art than he does from, uh, well, maybe not more than he does, but he makes a hell of a lot of money from art, speculating. He buys art, hangs in his house, all that kind of stuff, collects it, and then sells it at a massive profit sometime later. But I mean, what, what I really mean is, let's say, what, what, how much did you say that painting? 104. Right, $104 million, right? Yeah. Let's say some other artist made a painting and sold it for $100. Is that painting a million times better than the painting that some random artist made? This is now, I know there's imbued value and mm-hmm. perceived value and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. eh, or it's a big scam. <laughs> a lot of it is a scam. For one hundred percent, because if you are if you want to if you're an up and coming artist, you have to know the right people. You have to impress the right people. Um, the right people have to buy your art. You have to have them in the right studios if you want to make a real go of it. Like you can make money as, as an artist, you know. Yeah. Without that, but Sylvester Stallone actually, as as a painter, is it? Uh, no, he Terry Crews. Terry, oh yeah, Terry no, Crews is a huge painter. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He used to make a sideline when he was in the NFL uh, doing portraits of he his was teammates. In the NFL? Mm, he was a footballer before he was a. Was he? Yeah, yeah, huh. big footballer. He yeah. Designed well, a famous chair. Sylvester Stallone does his painting with blood. <laughs> no, no, Sylvester Stallone bought uh, Graham Nuttall. You know Graham Nuttall? No, I've heard the name. Yeah. All oh, right. Well, anyway, I think it was Graham Nuttall that he bought loads of Graham Nuttall paintings, and. Um, then people were like, oh, Stallone, what's this up on the wall type of thing? And that helped yeah. Graham Nuttall's career. I think like all topics in the world, Sonny in Philadelphia did an episode on art and the value of art. And yeah. They sum it up perfectly. Put it perfectly. Watch that episode. Actually, actually wait a second. Do you yeah, have more about art on this? Do you? There is another painting, yes. Okay. Uh, because last week, and all three of us were like, oh, yeah, we agree with this wholeheartedly. Last week, you mentioned that, like, the thing that, uh, what's his name, Winston Churchill said, that... You know, if we're not doing this for art, what are we yeah. doing it for? Yeah, yeah. So, is there a value for art? Of course there is. There is. I'm not saying it's worthless. I'm just saying for one painting <coughs> to be valued at a $100 million is excessive. That's kind of my no, but, point. Not but, that art is But the is thing is, but what, what's obsessive? What's it's, excessive about it? The thing about it is, of course, is that if the person that bought it can afford it, 
Yeah, then it's not excessive. It's not, yeah, it's not yeah, excessive I mean, to him. It seems excessive to us, you know, never mind 104 million. Four but million. I just think if I was even a billionaire, I'd be thinking you can buy one painting for 100 million or, you know, <laughs> a billion paintings. A for million paintings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, poor, and, that's poor people thinking. But my point is, but my point is the, the quality won't be a million times better because you paid a million times more. It, it, but it, it, I think it is in your in, in your eyes. Beauty in the eye yeah, of the beholder. Yeah. And art is so subjective that when you, you see something and it speaks to you and you're like, man, I want to buy that. And then it's an auction and the price keeps going up but you still want it. There, it's the value you put on it. There's 100% definitely, there's a, there's a goal. I think he's a goal aware. Did you ever hear of Kenneth Webb? No. No. Okay. Well, Linda, should, like I remember when I started going out with Linda and around about that time, there was uh, in Kinney's, remember when Kinney's Art Gallery, Barry, was down still on the, you know Kinney's Art Gallery? Yeah. yeah. So when Kinney's Art Gallery was, what's the street that middle the street. exit, middle street, the exit of the Keys was on? Oh, the Keys. Remember, there's people the, in America no, listening no, no, to this who don't key, know middle street. Dory, oh, Dory. Uh, not of the Keys, but of the King's Head. Yeah, middle yeah. street. Yeah, middle street. So basically, there was a picture, um, an artist, that Kin- Kenneth Webb. Now, that, the picture cost, I remember, 16,000 euro. If I had 16,000 euro, I definitely would have bought the picture at the time. Wow, you loved it Like, if I had 17,000 euro, I would have spent 16,000 on the picture. I don't buy that for a second. No, no, Mart, the picture, literally the picture was gorgeous. And all it was, by the way... It spoke to you. Yeah, 100. And all it was, like, I can see it still. It was like a a field and it was full of flowers. A field of flowers, it was called. I don't know what it was called. I think it was called, probably it was called like a Flowers One or something. But then yeah. Linda, interestingly, was, you know the way in Galway City in Ireland, Galway, Ireland, there's a new bridge built. Yeah. And Linda took a picture of flowers that the council planted and it looked exactly, I was like, oh, where, where did you get the Kenneth Webb picture, photograph from? <laughs> it looked exactly like it. But See, you I, don't I, need I, to be able to paint, just take your camera off and take some pictures. <laughs> That's it, yeah. um, number nine on the list. Uh, a Mercedes Benz 300 SLR. Now, car aficionados will probably know what that is. I know. What if it you is. don't look it up, have a look yeah. at what it looks like. This sold at auction for 143 okay. a million. Second. We're going to figure out why. Dollars. Why would they auction a car? Would they not just buy oh, it cars from are Mercedes auction- garage no, or whatever? No, no, this is an old. Oh, it's oh, a vintage wait a second. old. Yeah, yeah. Wait a second. It's, it's a beautiful. It's not a James boat. Bond car. No, no, because no. it's not. No. Was it a, a, did someone, a famous movie star? Not a clue. Didn't do oh, any didn't, research. Okay, then, didn't okay, do then. any research on this. Remember, <laughs> I don't look these things up. I find something interesting. I take it. I don't do anything further okay. with it. Uh, but yeah, 143 million for a car. Holy crap. Yeah. Now, the second and only other painting I think on this list is The Card Players by Paul Cezanne. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yep. Cezanne. Um, it's owned by a member of the Qatar royal family, Al yeah. Tani, or something like that. Two hundred and seventy-five million dollars. Oh, wait a second! Are these going up in price? Yeah, that's top ten. Yeah, you got to start at the bottom and work. If you start at the top, everything else is like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah but it's yeah, cheaper exactly. than the previous one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> not, as, not as expensive as a wait a second now. Mercedes Benz three hundred SLR. The card players, Barry. Yeah, I, I know I shouldn't, but I, I'm just. Oh, I work away, and if you're listening to this on Spotify, obviously you don't, you're not going to be able to. But if you're watching this on YouTube, we might put a little. Yeah, I'll put up pictures. The card players, Cezanne. Wait a second, I will yeah. judge this and see if it's worth it. Uh, yeah, it's a fo- it's basically a painting of two guys playing cards. It's a painting of two old guys playing cards, and it's not even that good. I saw the card players, another painting, where it's all dogs. I would Which pay for, way for that better, sooner than that. Way better, yeah. Well, 100%. I mean, that, that picture of, with the dogs is Seriously, super that is not famous a good in its own right. One of the guys has a pipe and a top hat. I know it's hat. impressionist or whatever, but... And the other guy's got a split? No, yeah, it's, a pipe. it's a pipe. It's a pipe. That's a small oh. clay pipe. 
Okay, all right. Which was the style at the time. Um, yeah, two hundred and seventy-five million dollars. Uh, Altani yeah, played for the house. Saw someone coming. The next one on the list, number seven, is the house owned by someone called Edmund Lily, uh, Edmund and Lily Safras. Uh, I have no idea who they are. I, again, I didn't do any kind of research. You're not slightly curiosity peaked when you just come across. Oh, this. I did, and I keep meaning to, and I keep meaning to, and have little notes and stuff. I just never get around to it. <laughs> I get that I put my bits together, and uh, yeah, you can. Edmund, let's take a look at this house. Uh, let's see. I bet house. you they. I bet you they inherited a lot because their house is called Villa Leopolda, and it's worth five hundred and six million dollars. Um, and if it was converted into a hospital during World War Two, I know that. Okay, it's a big ass house. It's a big yeah, ass house. I'm kind of surely there's houses that are more expensive than that. The uh, Queen's yeah, house we'll, more we'll, expensive. We'll get to that. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, go on. <laughs> Uh, like but, in yeah. all honesty, and I do love houses. This kind of does just look like a house, yeah. but then like again, a mansion, like okay. with grass. So <laughs> like then again, if you look, if it's it's a gigantic that way, so mansion. does the palace at Versailles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that just looks like a house. Actually, would the palace of Versailles be for sale? I don't know. Could they sell it? It belongs to the French people, I think. What so. is the palace of Versailles? Yeah, Versailles. You've seen it. If you watched Versailles. any movies, you've seen it. The long room at the Palace of Versailles is in every the, every yeah. film that they want to show opulence and wealth, and hmm. it's when, been everywhere all over the world. And, and from a war, war, war point like I know of the view, Treaty of Versailles. Yeah, yeah, same, what's, that's what was signed. What signed inside the the big long the Palace room of Versailles? There. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, were you ever there, Barry? No, you no, haven't. I'm assuming no. because you're asking. But mm-hmm. no, it's I've never. Absolutely flaming. Yeah, it's gorgeous. on my it's on my bucket list. It's on yeah. my bucket list. Here's the dog. Um, again, anyone listening on Spotify wondering what that is, the Mart's dog just hopped up on his lap. And, and also, by the way, if you hear heavy breathing, when the dog was beside on my lap, I heard like, <sighs> and, and it was actually the dog. It was the dog. Yeah, yeah we blame the dog. It is the or dog. Or if you hear a fart, it's the dog. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not one of us. Um, <laughs> number six on the list is the Dream Jet. All right. 300 million jet owned by a company called Deerjet. It's a Boeing 787 that has such luxuries as um, a shower that's big enough for two people. It has a bedroom. It has um, like conference room. It has like dining room. It has all that stuff. And it's just an insane, expensive jet. But it, you can't really buy it. It's worth 300 million, but you can't buy it. Yeah, I was going to say, because that house was worth 500 million, and yeah. now you're going down in price. Although it's kind of um, yeah, no, worth 300 million, but also priceless. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one is strange. I don't know. But I mean, I'm not surprised by that because you see all that on movies and stuff where it's just like, I don't know, seeing a ridiculously expensive jet with showers and stuff and it is like business as usual for billionaires. Uh. And that's it, like. Now we're moving into the real money. Yes. Um, the crown the crown jewel. Oh, oh the jewel that uh, England stole from India. That one, yeah. It's worth uh, it's worth five hundred and ninety one million dollars, and yes, or you're free right. if you just steal it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. If you're a colonial imperialistic, you're like, yep, yoink. That'll do me. Thank you very much. Yeah, and they want it back. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I was in, actually, in, India wanted back. I was going so. to say, there's a whole movement happening now. Yeah, where um, the repatriation of stolen goods. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. We talked about that in our literal first episode, I think. Yeah, yeah. actually. What's your take on that? Should they be given back? I, yeah, I think if if yeah if it's something that colonial. But see, once you start that, where does it end? Yeah, well, that's the thing. By the way, that's I'm not making an yeah. argument against doing it. I'm yeah, just saying yeah. that's why people who have stuff don't want to give it away. But it was like the thing I saw. I, I don't know where I saw, it, but it said, um, "Name something that seems English but isn't." 
and someone said the contents of the British Museum. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just very, very funny. Um, then there's another house. Um, this is the Antilia Mansion. Now, if you're going to look up anything, Donald, bring up an image of that so Mark, you and Mark can see it. This is owned by a guy called Mukesh Ambani, and it's worth $2 billion. There's a hike in the price. $2 billion. Sorry, yeah. I Oh, this is the Indian guy. I yeah. actually know this house. Yeah, he's like the eighth, yeah. eighth richest man in the world, fifth richest Asian. Really? Yeah, and that's his house. What does he do? Um, so he owns rich. a company. I can't remember what they're called. Oh, a company. Yeah, they do stuff. That's how you make money. Yeah, owning a company. Wait a second now. Like, that's a pretty flaming terrible house. It's as ugly as sin. It looks like a stack of books. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a stack uh, of books. Just how much did you say? Two billion? Two billion. If you're going to describe that, it literally does actually look like if you got a stack of books and the books are, sh- are stacked kind of lying sideways inside a, a dark grey bookshelf you get from Ikea. Yeah, that's, pr- that's pretty accurate. It's, it's a big, huge house, but yeah, not, not, very, um, not very nice, not very aesthetic. Mm. Well, again... Again, it's subjective. Someone look at that and go, that's beautiful. $2 billion that house is worth. The next up in uh, this is the Hubble Space Telescope. <gasps> okay, wait a second. Can we guess how much it is? You can. Is it more than $2 billion? It is. $12 billion. No. no, my God. I would, I would say, see, there's a kind of a magical number of $2 billion that governments are okay with. I'm going to say 2.3 billion. Man, you're really, really close. 2.1. Really? 2.1 billion for the Hubble yeah. telescope. There's something yeah. like, even well, as ridiculous as our government is, we're like, I can't believe that Children's Hospital costs 2 billion. So far. <laughs> 2 billion. So far. Is that how much the Children's Hospital cost? So Bart, far. And they've got 80 rooms out of the 3,000? And again, to our international Bart. listeners, there's a hospital they were building in Ireland. It was a Children's Hospital. And then they just... Overran like insanely. But the budget, do you know what the, the original budget for the Children's Hospital was? No. Sorry, I'm going to say I'm going to guess five hundred million. Six hundred and fifty million. That wasn't too far off. Wow. Yeah, and we're up to two billion. Yeah, which is insane. And it'll probably go up to two point one or two point two billion. Uh, probably at least. Yeah, yeah. If not two and a half. So was that the second? Is that number that was nine three? Oh, that, was okay. number, that was number three. Was number two. Yeah, go on. Number two is the. It's again. You want to bring this up? The History Supreme Yacht. Which so comes in at a yacht. This is a boat. That's, oh, um, what? Yep. All I did is type history, and history's premium yacht came up. And there you go. I know. You would think there'd be a lot more things with history, but it's listening. Wow, AI has us. Yeah, they but I never us. saw that much of a sign of... $4.8 billion for... It's got to be a Russian oligarch. <laughs> probably. Like, um, I didn't actually look up who owns it, I, so we'll have to have a look here now. Um... um Okay, let's describe this yacht. Wait, it, it looks, looks like a speedboat. Like Wait a second. It looks like a speedboat. That can't be billions. Yeah, 4.8 billion. That can't be... Um, it's owned by Stuart Hughes, is that right? Did I see that right? Yeah. As you flashed down this... Okay, we're losing our audience. Yeah, just that's listening. incredible. The number one most expensive thing... It's got to be this James Webb telescope if the Hubble telescope is also on the list. No, the James Hubble... Uh, no, I don't know if this is... If the, if, when I was looking it up, uh, was it old or what? But the International oh, Space yeah. Station. Ah, hmm. nice. Now, you were guessing. Do you want to have a guess at how much they've spent on the International Space Station thus far? Eight billion. Oh, I was going to say ten. 
Uh, I'm going to say, wait, I'm going to say 11.2 billion. 11.2, oh, so close. But also really, really far away. 150 billion. Okay, that is that is definitely the most expensive thing. Yeah, it's it's As it's number go, one. Wow. It's, it's got number one sewn up. What was I thinking, 8 billion? <laughs> 8 billion wouldn't even buy you one of those solar panels on there or something, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's a, a list of the 10 most expensive in most expensive <laughs> things in the world. Uh, that's incredible, actually. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Dang. So now, you guys, what do you got? Huh. Mark, what do you have? Uh, do you have anything else, Mark? Because I wanted to get one thing here. Have you ever seen the film The Terminal? No. I don't know. When did it come out? It came out in 19... I'll, I'll tell you in two seconds. I think I have, but it's been so long ago that I can't... I honestly well, can't remember if I have The Terminal is based on... Um, it's based on this guy who's from this foreign kind of... Around about Croatia, around about, you know, that ex-Russian... Eastern country, Europe. Eastern Europe type yep. of thing, okay? And then he leaves Eastern Europe to go to America because he has a job to do in America. But while he's in transit in America... Uh, in, while he's in transit, his country has been taken over. There's a coup and there's new government and he becomes passport. Oh, this is the guy who's yeah. stuck in the airport and it's based on a true yeah. story and Tom Hanks is in it. That's it. And the, the, I, I didn't know this, but the movie was inspired by Mihram Karimi Nasiri. Okay, and he landed in Charles de Gaulle Airport in 1988 and he left in, he left the terminal in 2006. To be hospitalized, but basically, um, he just lived in the he was he lived in the hospital in the airport Charles de Gaulle for years. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an insane story, and and Jeannie Mac eight years living in an airport, and people give audible having you know been stuck there for a few hours. Yeah. Um, like after being denied, it uh, is entry weird into that England that could be a because thing. of his Iranian passport and United Nations refugee uh, certificate had been stolen. Wow, so it wasn't like in the movie his his, his country was taken over in a coup d'etat. Yeah. In, in real life, his, he just got, was unlucky. Yeah. His, because, his stuff got stolen. And but this sounds more realistic. As in well, the, yeah. term, the film. No, the film sounds more realistic. Does it? Yeah. Okay. Then his ID was stolen. Yeah. Like, couldn't his family or someone have just... I know, it seems weird that that would happen. Photocopied but, yeah. it or something, but... <laughs> it's impressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's it's not. And by the way, his uh, the the real guy Nasiri Nasiri moved back to Charles de Gaulle Airport in October two thousand and twenty two. So in other words, we went to Paris last year. He was in Paris in the time that we were there. Yeah, so he died in the terminal two F on November. Why did he go back? Because said, he wanted to die there. He lived for a lot of years there. No, he went back there to live there. Are you, is that the true story or are you just reading? Yeah, no, I mean, like, yeah, he moved back to, he moved back to the terminal. Yeah, and then he died there. I'm reading what you're reading, but it yeah. doesn't say he moved back, back there deliberately because he liked it so much that he said, I'm old, I choose to die in the place that I love the most, the airport. Well, I mean, uh, okay. That's a big I'm assumption ex- based on yeah. a little that, bit. You know, why else do you think he would have moved back there? He didn't move back. I have just, no idea. That's that's why that's so, yeah. Damn it, I lost my passport again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I yeah, it's weird. And wasn't he like he lived in Terminal One, but he died in Terminal Two F? So well, at least he made some progress. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to talk about. Okay, there's two things I was going to talk about. The first thing is, uh, I wanted to give props to uh, Aiden Smith, who we mentioned last week. Okay, Aiden has made these. Aiden is effectively, I think, our first sponsor <laughs> in that he has made us on this quality. Um, 
uh, tea coaster. Is that what it's called? For people on Spotify, uh, Donald is holding up a wooden coaster, I guess. Yeah, with mm-hmm. the, the our um, emblem for things in Nasser and didn't need to know on it, uh, and looks amazing. Yep, uh, I awesome. I should also just do a minor correction here. Just when you say Aiden is our first sponsor. Other than Rachel, who other than sponsored Rachel, yeah. us all the audio equipment. If yeah. you go back to episodes one, two, and three, yes. and then you'll hear the difference, you'll appreciate yeah. that sponsorship too, which was awesome. What am I holding in my hand here, Barry? You're holding a mug that also has things you didn't ask for and didn't yeah. need to know on it. i got to say, the orange color really is awful. Yeah, I don't like the orange It's horrible. But, but the, the, the pattern on the cup is awesome. If you got yeah. that a white or blue or something, it'd be great. It'd be nice. Yeah, or a black cup. I think a black cup. Black, that black is good. Would be really, black. really nice. Yeah. Some people oh. do not like drinking out of black cups because they're like, oh, I can't see down there, I'm not going to drink it. Yeah. That's a true story. Yeah, because yeah, piranhas are famously known for hiding in cups of tea. You don't know that. And, and admittedly, we used to like Mart. Didn't we always drink uh, lion's tea? Yes. For the same people who don't know tea, crap. Sorry, for the people who don't know tea, we always used to drink lion's tea. Then lions, because of purely because of marketing, they changed their tea bag from a normal tea bag into a stupid, ridiculous tr- pyramid. Shape triangly thing, okay. yeah. mm-hmm. and that was okay. But then, when the novelty wore off of that, then they made the bags biodegradable, oh, okay, yeah, which all works fine in theory for the planet that doesn't give a damn. But when you put the tea bag into the cup, now it, it literally starts to biodegrade straight away and the tea bag bursts. Now, well, I did find, and this is years ago, I noticed, huh, I have to be really careful with my tea bag or it breaks. I never yep. knew why, now I know why. Well, so here's I, the funny thing, though, here's the funny thing. Like you, I grew up in a lion's house. We uh, Again, for people outside of Ireland, you're either a lion's house or a Barry's house. and <laughs> That's it, like. And I grew up in a lion's house. But then after Brexit, lions went up in price and Barry's didn't. So we switched to Barry's tea. And all my years of drinking lions, with including the pyramid tea bags, including the biodegradable, yeah. I never, not once had a tea bag burst on me. Not once. Not a single one ever. Since switching to Barry's, which are regular normal tea bags. I've had it happen. It happens maybe once out of twenty cups. No, oh, because oh, I was I was just right. about to compliment your bag handling technique until you just <laughs> totally let yourself down there. Yeah, but I burst one out of twenty, <laughs> roughly, roughly speaking. It's not that's not a hard your hard bag number. Handling um, and yeah, I, I, it, it's it's got to be one of the most annoying things because you rarely notice it until you put the milk in. But I'm going to say right. Like, oh, oh, and it's tea's ruined. Then it's ruined. <sighs> But I remember they made granulated tea, just like there's granulated coffee. And I think I'm quite discerning about my tea. Gross. It, it, it's perfectly fine, and I'm very specific about my tea. But it's like the whole process of making tea, and we're not going to go into this, or we could do a whole other episode about it. But mm-hmm. it's a fine art, and it's also a roll of the dice. You could do everything right and still end up with a crap cup of tea, and yet with the granules, it's just. It increases the probability of ending up with a good cup of tea. Mm. I found it well, was a little experiment lines did for like a very short period of time and they discontinued it. I do have in my house, like normally it's tea bags, but I do have a, a jar, I guess, a, a metal tin, a tin, a tin of Campbell's tea. What's Campbell's tea? It's their... Another tea that a, isn't berries or lions? Mm, it's a, like a step up from those. It's a notions tea. Yeah, you'd buy... You only, you, you, well, I, I don't know where you think of buying duns, but um, you can also buy them at Cambridge's, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a step up. And we have, a, we have a little teapot that has the plungery section in it. So you put your tea bags into the se- center metal section, pour in your hot water, which fills up the tea, teapot around it, and then you plunge the thing down and it squeezes out the tea. And the tea that it makes is just divine. 
I'm so out. It's beautiful. Um, what was I going to say? The second thing. The second thing is... And thanks, Aiden. Yes. Remember last week when Aiden... Yeah. How do we go from (laughs) talking about this to... Well, it's a tea coaster and a cup. (laughs) It's a tea coaster and a a cup. Mug there as well. It's all all linked. So, um, basically, Aiden gave us the the point last week of... um, Oh, no. You... We were... Sorry. Aiden gave us loads of points... But one of the things that Aiden said overlapped with one of the things you were saying about the film. Remember the film you were talking about? No. The movie with AI and the, part, the actress <coughs> the movie who... With, with movie with AI. Oh, yes. Yeah, the yeah, Congress. Yes, the Congress. Yeah, the Congress. Yeah. Did you hear the latest thing that... Um, that You know the way there's the actors... The actors have now gone on strike. Yes. In, okay, this is... Actually, in, I was thinking, did we even mention that last week in an actual episode about the future of cinema and we were talking about streaming and I think we maybe forgot we, to mention we didn't, the we did. ongoing strike, well, we did the which is before. all about all this. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the writer strike was on at that time, but now yeah. the actors have mm. gone on strike as so well. So this is like the 17th of July, 2023, they were saying this, just timestamp. Yeah. But did you hear the latest thing that the Screen Actors Guild are against? No. No. Okay. And this is the best thing ever to be against. Not making money. No, wait. The, the, the Screen Actors Guild were saying, we're rejecting the idea of having an extra come in I'm saying this in such a balls way of having an extra come in as in here's what I don't know what the other people who are against the Screen Actors Guild not against them but the people who are the studios screen, the, the studios I guess yeah mm. let's say generically the studios were saying here's what we want we want the right to be able to go and if an extra comes in and acts on film X okay that they will record the likeness the voice yeah basically video capture them and then video just use capture them that person yeah. and use their use everything about them in every single way forever for that one film ah oh, no that's bullshit no but see that but that's literally what the congress was about yeah but that's also where it's going to go like remember we, were, we kind of covered this last week yeah. we were kind of saying yeah. like if it's they just, could have done that with robert Downey jr in iron man Hey, presto, you have Iron Man in every yeah. Marvel movie forever for free, mm. as opposed to paying Robert Downey Jr. 100 million quid to do Endgame. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, but like, that's, fi- that's one, it's, it's it. one thing for, <clears throat> it's one thing for a studio to want to replicate Robert Downey Jr. because he costs 100 million. It's a totally other thing to take an extra who's earning, you know, 200 dollars in his day or 100 quid if he's in Ireland. And, and that's it. You get to do one, you get your 100 quid, you're gone. We don't need you ever again. Good luck. Yeah. But if you think about it from a business perspective, that's manna from the heavens for... Oh, no, from oh a business God, yeah, perspective, from, yeah, 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 100%. But it's like, um, I don't know if we, we talked about Danny Trejo uh, yeah. the last day as well, about how he from never, Los Angeles. he'd never do his own stunts because yeah. he doesn't want to mm-hmm. put someone else out of work. It's that idea. It's like, this is people's livelihood. People are extras and that is their job. They go from set to set to film. Well, I'm going to be devil's advocate and say, you know... AI is going to displace loads of jobs. Oh, God, yeah. We should definitely do an episode about that. But anyway. And that's it. Do you want to hear a macroeconomics fact? Yeah, throw us a macroeconomics fact. Um, So this isn't written down or anything. So from the time of the Industrial Revolution, in general, the gap between the poor and the rich was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. Up to, believe it or not, the last... 10 years, as okay. in up to 10 years ago. Okay. When the gap between rich and poor started to close in 
Absolutely, and no way that really? would make a difference to yeah, and no way that would make a difference to rich people or poor people. But it was like, just a trend did reverse. The, the trend was instead of instead of increasing, it was like starting to narrow. Huh. But then COVID happened, and it went, and it just kind of massively uh, increased again. So in other words, the gap increased again yeah. between the rich and the poor. But overall, so what you're saying is that the rich people started COVID. I'm that is a whole other definite episode <laughs> definitely we're not going to go there now but but see but the poor there are the poor people if you're take poor people as a whole are better off as a whole than they were mm. because places like china thailand like lots of india that kind of stuff a lot of the the poorest people there that were bringing down the the level of you know, that was making the level of poor yeah. people we have even poorer. Those poor people have been lifted out of the extreme poverty. Now they're okay. only just poor. No, no, they're, no they're, they're just really poor. <laughs> but from extremely. But poor. with that said, there's a smaller group of rich people who have gotten even richer. Oh God, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's that. That's nothing to take from that, really. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> Definitely nobody asked for it, and uh, nobody needs to know it. But there you go. There yep. you go, Mart. What do you got? Okay, I'm going to try to keep this short because I just cannot wait to talk about UFOs. So <laughs> the only thing that we just, I think we really have to mention is, I'm sure you've heard of this talk of the cage fight between Elon Musk and oh, Mark yeah. Zuckerberg. Is that going to happen? Yeah, I, I, yeah, briefly, I heard a some small thing about it. I didn't think it was serious, though. See, a lot of people don't think it's serious. And yet, Mark Zuckerberg is definitely making moves to be saying, well... I am up for it. Yeah. In all seriousness. And he has been training. Or oh, he's he, I been know, doing... Taekwondo uh, or something, I think, no, for years. Yeah, he's been doing some kind of judo or something, something for yeah. the last, like, literally... I think he started in COVID, but he for years. I love now. Elon Musk, even though he's kind of... I think he has serious issues. <laughs> but Mark Zuckerberg would... De- I would imagine Mark Zuckerberg would kick his ass... 100% Into he would. oblivion. I just don't... Under- but the only thing is, if it was anyone else... They're so mismatched, you know that he would you, just say, oh, do you guys hello, remember that? Do you remember that episode of Friends where Monica started dating yes. the billionaire? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've taken kind of on the financial world. Yeah. I've taken on the spiritual world or something. Yeah, he said, yeah. there's only one thing I have to take on now, the physical world. Yeah. And he was like, Ugh. But I think when it's Elon Musk, you don't know what he's going to do. And he no. does troll. He trolls all he the does. time. He's but, a troll. But he is, and I've never seen the two of them beside, side by side, but... Like Mark Zuckerberg always looks like he'd be yeah. blown over in a stiff breeze, whereas Elon Musk looks like he's stocky. He's bigger. And I know and he's got the reach. He's taller. Yeah, I don't know if that makes a huge difference, but I don't know, man. I don't know who I'd put my money on. It on would that. be an interesting. I'd watch it there for is, sure. There's absolutely no doubt that that Mark Zuckerberg would win. He would definitely. Definitely, definitely win. Well, if this right. does go through, and if I had to bet, I would say it's not going to go through. But it's also a, there's, you know, it's like in uh, Dumb and Dumber, so you're telling me there is a chance. <laughs> there is a chance it m- might happen. Yeah, be interesting. And if it does, I'm going to say <clears throat> definitely, this is evidence that they're so rich that they're just looking for something so they can feel the feels again. <laughs> yeah, 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 something, <laughs> anything, anything to feel. <laughs> yeah. Punch me in the face, other billionaire. Crazy. Crazy. I hurt myself. Anyway, let's move anything else to say. Let's talk UFOs. UFOs. Yeah. Can I say, can I start and say that um, I misunderstood the brief? I was going to say, and I already knew you did, because, and I'm going to start off by saying, I'm talking UFOs here. Yeah. Not aliens. Yeah. Because there's a whole other different conversation 
which would be aliens. Would and yet, literally, don't don't burn your pages. <laughs> I mean, you can't talk about UFOs without talking about aliens. I think but, I also misunderstood the brief. Yeah, but 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 I will say, <laughs> you definitely. We're going to end up talking about aliens, right? Yeah. So before I start, I want to just, I want to lay down the groundwork here, okay? Okay. The whole topic of aliens is something I've been interested in basically all my life. Since the X-Files, you guys I'm sure watched X-Files too. You know, we all grew up with this kind of stuff. And... Even before the X-Files. Even before, because I remember I had that book, Mysteries of the Unexplained. Yeah, and, and you had you know, E.T. and you had uh, yeah, but, Close Encounters. But see, that's all, all fictional pre- stuff. But when yeah. I started reading, hey, wait, there's claims that this is real. And you're a kid, so you start believing this stuff. And then you grow up a bit and realize, oh, pff, that that book also contained the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot. And you think, uh, you know, <laughs> and then you just even, dismiss it. I never even it. thought about that, actually. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about a sliding scale, right, from what is the more brass tacks believable if there is any sort of evidence this is it and the scale is going to slide all the way over to bigfoot loch ness monster ghosts and stuff kind of territory and i'm going to elaborate when we're in each place because unfortunately the whole idea of talk of ufos and stuff it really is tainted with the most stupid nonsense and there's all this talk of people saying they were abducted by UFOs and it's always, why do they abduct a redneck hillbilly from the back of beyond and they don't, you know. All, there's so much that is incredulous that's kind of like, yeah, that's that's bullshit. We, we, we kind of know that that's just made up or hallucinated or whatever. But I'm going to start at the more kind of recent, realistic-y type stuff. But before I even go there, I want to ask you both a question. Cool. And I'm not going to ask, do you believe in UFOs? Because... UFOs are, well, something you don't know. Therefore, it's unidentified. And it's up there, so therefore, it's flying. So therefore, it's a UFO. And that's not the question. Okay. Um, and by the way, I'm also <laughs> going to acknowledge UFOs, because of this already, what we mentioned, taint of uh, ridiculousness that's associated with it. They've, well, we, we had this discussion, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, they've, they've basically renamed them to UAPs, which initially was unidentified aerial phenomenon. And then... You know, people start saying, wait a minute, these things are going coming into the sea and stuff as well. So they wanted to change the aerial bit. So they called it unidentified anomalous phenomenon. That was a bit that I couldn't remember the other day. So I'm just going to use UFOs mostly. If You know, I think yeah. UFO, UAP, it's interchangeable anyway. Um, but I'm going to ask uh, you first, Barry. Yeah. And I'm also going to ask all the listeners, ask yourself this question and answer it to yourself. Do you believe that, and I'm not even going to ask you, do you believe aliens exist? Do you believe intelligent aliens exist and are visiting earth now no no okay interesting now and that's a good starting point because i would almost definitely have always been so interested by the topic but also if you asked me i would have said no as well you would have i would have something very interesting happened in 2017 and i consider it like a line in the sand where Everything that came before, I put it all in one basket of bullshit. Bullshit that I was really interested in, and I found it really intriguing to think, oh, imagine, what if? But also, you kind of know it's nonsense. And then in 2017, the New York Times released a story, and basically, it kind of cast the whole UFOlogy into a kind of a, huh, maybe this, maybe there is something to this. Kind of a light. 
So I'll tell you about it. I presume you haven't heard about it or do you know? Uh, not 2017 is so long ago. Well, the funny thing is, this <laughs> incident so actually happened in 2004. Yeah. And you know how there's like the men in black, they show up with black helicopters and take all the videotapes away and tell you to shut your mouth and all this kind of... None of that happened, right? There was a... I think 2004 was around the Gulf War time. And um, there was a aircraft carrier and a, a battle group, they call it, where, you know, an aircraft carrier never goes around on its own. There's like a huge bunch of ships around it, warships, and there's a one ship called the Aegis Cruiser. It's a thing that has all radars and stuff on it that can do all the scanning around. And they do all these exercises in the kind of eastern seaboard of America to kind of practice, you know, and especially the... the um, Air, aircraft taken off off the aircraft carrier they do their little sorties flying around and they do practice and stuff before they get deployed into combat in war and um basically these guys saw something but they didn't just kind of see it there was a little bit they, they captured it on camera and stuff like that enough and i'll name the videos because there's three famous videos doing the rounds on the internet and um and i will say straight away if you Google this crap, or if you're on TikTok, especially lately, there's a ton of UFO videos. They're all fake or bullshit. I guarantee you they all are, right? The only thing I would put any stock in is these three videos in particular that were released were released by the Pentagon, and they acknowledge, yeah, they're real, and we don't know what they are. So th there's a whole lot going on there, but I'll basically tell you the story of... Okay. It's called the USS Nimitz incident because that was the name of the, the aircraft carrier that it was on. But basically, there's this guy, and I should say as well, he's not just a guy. He was a, do you know the movie Top Gun? Mm. You know, uh, Tom Cruise, we're the best of the best. Yeah. This guy graduated from the Top Gun school of flight. And, you know, him and his, but there was two fighter jets. So each fighter jet has the main pilot and the guy in the back seat, the weapons guy. So there was two of them and they went off and they were flying around. And um, as they're going along, they see down in the sea. And the way he describes it is kind of like it's a crystal, crystal clear day. Like you could see for miles. And they're not like us with our squinty eyes. These are like, you know, Air Force pilots that have good vision. They saw in the sea. What he describes it as is it looked as if, say, it was a cross-shaped thing about the size of a 737. I mean, a pilot's going to use a plane or an aero thing. No, to, they're American. They just don't want to use the bloody metric system no matter what. Yeah, yeah. But basically he was saying there was a, it was like the water was breaking on this thing. You know, if a rock is kind of sticking a little bit or just under the yeah, water, yeah, the sea yeah. is kind of breaking. So he's, he's saying perfectly flat, clear sea. And suddenly you're seeing this kind of a ripple in the water. So he was like, well, oh, what the hell is that? Just, it drew their eyes to it. But then they noticed, and the way he describes it, it's a weird description, but he said it was like a tic-tac. There was this little thing, it was about the size of, say, a school bus, and it was a perfectly white, literally just tic-tac shape, and it was zipping around. And the way he described that was, it's as if you put a ping-pong ball into a big glass, an empty glass, and just shake it around. It's like zipping to and fro really, really quick. But it wasn't even doing it just up and down. It was like over here, over left, up, down, all bouncing all over the place, over, over this thing. So, you know, he just said to the other pilot, uh, are you seeing this? And they were like, yeah. So he decided, okay, I'm going to fly down to it and, you know, see what it is, basically. So as he started flying down toward this thing, this thing started flying up toward him. Now, it's interesting to point out at this stage, okay, because I can give you, like, there are, since the, I'm going to say the 40s, but really, you can go back to Roman times. There's old inscriptions of somebody saying they saw something in the sky. All these stories, if anyone tells me I saw something in the sky, I'm going to say, you think you did, but you didn't. 
because basically 99.999% of all UFO sightings are they're all mistakes either mistakes or bullshit or somebody making up stuff looking for attention but it does get interesting in this case because there's four trained top gun pilots all seeing this thing they caught it on their nose cam which is a gun cam that kind of they caught it on that they caught it they flipped on the infrared and they caught it on radar so what makes this interesting and really undeniable that something happened now this is not saying hey aliens it's just saying uh, something something really weird yeah. and it is there was different technologies that caught it it's not like they caught it on a camera you might say well the camera was faulty there was a speck on the lens you know these are different cameras from two different planes and even different cameras on board so anyway this guy's flying down toward this thing the thing starts flying up toward him so the tic-tac kind of assumed what he describes as the kind of aerial superiority position of kind of up above him and kind of behind him and he's trying to get around it so they're kind of swirling around each other and um, as he's trying to get a position on this thing, it just goes and just flies off. But it just flew off like really, really fast. So, you know, they were saying, oh, my God, can, can you can you believe it? Did you see that, etc. And um, anyway, they decided to fly back. Basically, what they were doing before they saw this thing is they were going to do a combat exercise. So there's all their planes are set into two different sides. Like You meet over there, we'll meet over here and you're the goodies and we're the baddies and we're going to fly at each other and do exercises. You saw this if you saw the new Top Gun movie. Not the old one. But, um, but they had this kind of a point that they were set to meet at. And when they saw this thing and it flew away, they were like, okay, well, that was weird, but hey, let's get back to our, you know, our, they call it the cap point, which is 60 miles away. And next thing you heard on the radio, uh, you won't believe this, that thing is back at your cap point. Whatever it was, it went back to where they were going to meet. And this is like a secret encrypted spot that's just a random it's a spot in the sky basically so it's not like it's a specific place or anything they had agreed this is going to be where we'll assemble and you'll assemble over there. it went back there so they landed went back to the um to the aircraft carrier and this is what's ridiculous right because this happened in 2004 and i listened to multiple interviews with this guy and um it's crazy because the way he talks about it he's like i mean we landed back it was like what the hell this is weird Eh, we're busy because they do like 18 hour days they're getting ready to go into combat fight and kill and risk dying they don't have the bandwidth to be like wow what just happened and what are we going to do about it and it was reported because every time they see anything like that they've got to put it in their report there's a debrief it goes up the chain wherever and um basically it just went nowhere so this got filed away somewhere and I think in a big filing cabinet yeah, yeah, in a warehouse full of boxes. But the crazy thing is, he just goes about his life. And it's funny that um, they, they, they looked at the, when they look back on it, like it was, I think they have the data of exactly what it did. It was flying around really fast, as I described, but it, uh, it went from 50 feet above water to 80,000 feet in one second or less than a second, which like nothing on earth or at least I should say, no known technology on Earth can do that. And this is kind of undeniably caught on military-grade radar and technology. There's, so that happened, right? And that's interesting. Mm. So he went back and he talked about it. And actually, the person on the Aegis cruiser, the, the, the radar guy, kind of said, oh, yeah, we've been seeing these things for the last two weeks. Don't know what the hell they are. There's loads of them. They're, they're, they're all the time. And the other person in the other plane was really pissed off at that because she was like, 
you just sent us out into airspace with unknown entities in it and you didn't even tell us and the, she was really thick about it she didn't do she did one interview she could she stopped doing interviews because she was just, just mad at the military about it but um this guy his name is commander david fravor he is um he he was the commander so he told another sortie going out later that evening you know if you see one of those things i don't know film it or something because he they didn't really film it much at all so this other guy had this thought i'm going to so that was him and I think two or three of the planes. They went out, they saw one again, and they actually managed to catch it on um, on their nose cam. And this is one of the videos that's now declassified and out there. And you can see the way it's like he's zooming in and out trying to capture it. And when it finally locks in on it, see, this doesn't seem like a lot, but the fact that their gun cam was able to lock in on the target tells you this is a real thing. Because the problem is, is there's a, any huge, any uh, aliens or a UFO story or anything, there's a ton of people who make a living out of just we debunk things. That's our job. The the famous UFO debunker is a guy called Mick West. He has a YouTube channel. And the problem with that is, if you set out with the objective, I am going to debunk this. That's not the scientific method. The scientific method is, I'm going to approach this with all of the scientific knowledge I have and no preconceptions in my mind. Uh, analyze the data and draw conclusions that's how you're meant to look yeah, at yeah. anything he doesn't do that any, any debunker inherently by the name debunker doesn't do that they are setting out to debunk it yeah they're 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 making sure that the narrative fits their pre yeah 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 and it's not like they're you know working for the man this yeah. isn't part of a government cover-up or, it's just a guy with a youtube channel who's found a topic that you know he can Talk, talk talk about, and I'm sure he believes it as well he's not like I'm sure but it's just that that is a kind of I think it's intellectually dishonest to start off with well I've already made up my mind what it is and now I'm going to come up with a reason why I'm right that so anyway um this other guy I think he caught two videos at the time and um interestingly one thing he did he kind of the the, the radar scans everywhere and picks up what's on in the sky but you can actually focus your radar on an object or a thing to get a clear reading of it. So he did that to this Tic Tac thing. And this Tic Tac thing actively jammed the radar. Now, I didn't know what that really meant until I read about this and heard about it and listened to, you know, podcasts and stuff about it. But it's interesting because active jamming is a very specific technological thing. Active jamming doesn't happen naturally in nature if you scan something. In fact, it's it's so serious, if you actively jam something, it's considered an act of war. So this thing actively jammed their radar and prevented them from being able to scan it properly. So that made me think. And the funny thing is, all this happened in 2004. All these people went back to the ship. They reported it in their logs. They went on with their lives. And, you know, this guy had a funny story to tell at parties. I chased a UFO once. And that was a, good, a decade and a bit later. Um, some New York Times, oh, actually, there's a big, long way that it got there, but let's just zoom in at this stage of the conversation and say, New York Times came across these three videos that were released, or I should say, declassified by the Pentagon, so therefore they were allowed to be released, and and the Pentagon did acknowledge, yeah, they're real, though. Um, the New York Times did an article on it, and, um, well, it kind of suddenly made people really ask, hey, what's going on here? And what's interesting about it is the New York Times piece, also their, another revelation in their part piece was they revealed, by the way, the Pentagon has a secret black books operation of um, 
investigating UFOs. It's been going on now for, at that stage, this particular one had been going on for a couple of years, maybe five or six years or something. And um, the, I won't go into too much detail, but basically they were saying, hey, American people, the Pentagon is spending your tax dollars, you know, chasing UFOs. So how do you feel about that? But also, look what they found. It's actually kind of interesting. Um, so that made me think, huh, this does seem kind of interesting and sounds kind of believable. Mm. And it also reframed every stupid UFO story I ever heard before then. Because I started thinking, huh, what I mean? Because this is what really I find interesting. You might say 99.99999% of all UFO sightings are fake and bullshit and made up and, and wrong and mistakes and swamp gas and everything. But if there is a point zero 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 one that is true and real and of non-human origin, that's all it takes to be like, oh my God, aliens exist. Mm. And if aliens exist, then that's literally the next biggest breaking news story in humanity other yeah. than, hey, I found proof that God exists or doesn't. Yeah. Kind of, it's so huge of a story. Uh, yeah. And it's been going on now, what, 2017? Six years, this has been to light. And it's like, eh. Yeah. How come not everyone is amazed by this and talking about it and knowing it and yeah. wanting to know more? It, it, I'm surprised, it shocks me a bit. Uh, yeah. And I guess it's, it, that, that's, that's probably the most interesting thing about it is why isn't it bigger? Oh, I know why it's not bigger, actually. Oh, okay, go on. And this also makes me sad. Do you remember, this is, I don't know, five years ago or something, a milestone in human, kind of, in, in humanity, in their, in their space kind of exploration and yes, achievement. I think I know what you're going to say. They it's, landed. The, oh, no, that's not. Well, they landed a, uh, a satellite on a meteor just flying through space at like wow, hundreds of thousands of miles an hour or whatever. Yeah, that was good. They landed on it. Thought, on it. I actually thought you were going to say that the... No, it's gone. One of our probes that we launched back in the 70s, I think oh, it was. Oh, the Voyager one. Voyager, that's it, thank you. It left our left, solar system. Yeah, yeah. Left our, so first man-made object to leave to the leave solar system. Well, and that's also, by the way, that's a huge, huge you know, milestone achievement for our species. Yeah. But I think to land a, a um, probe. Uh, probe on a meteor flying through space, yeah. holy moly. Yeah, and incredible. the internet blew up that day. <gasps> but guess what it blew up about? The different colors of a dress, no. Kim Kardashian put a champagne glass on her butt and whatever. And I, I, I was just like, how? How is this the main headlines? Yeah. How? Why would it go on it? every... It's disappointing. Reddit it's like, like, why? What the hell? That's not a good idea, dude. <laughs> Sorry, for those listening, Donald just put a bottle of water closed, it, but sideways on the top of his laptop for some reason. Yeah, what's the worst could happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mert, that, is, um, that you're, is... You're 100% right. It's very disappointing when humanity disappoints, but <laughs> humanity but has I get capacity it though, for people, disappointment I daily. get that people are, are, are people of different interests, but I mean, if, 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 if somebody found out, holy moly, here's proof God exists, yeah. or maybe here's proof definitively, there's no doubt now God doesn't exist. But I would hope we'd be like, wow, let's talk about that for a while. Yeah, but it's not, it's even, like, you can say the God thing, but the alien thing is huge. If aliens exist, and if they visited us, that's massive. It's absolutely massive, like, and, and you're absolutely right. But I've always been of the opinion that this thing of the Kardashians and, all, you know, back in the 90s, it was the, I, do you remember, it was the It Girls, 
and the it people they were always talking about them uh, Paris Hilton and oh, I thought you were going to say the, oh, IT, yeah. the IT crowd not the IT crowd <laughs> no, not IT. I nearly said IT but it's actually it it people these yeah. were like people that were famous for going to parties and yeah. it's it's sickening I don't even like I I actually genuinely dislike celebrity gossip or you know like the likes of Heat magazine or any of those or The Sun or any, any of that stuff because I don't care what George Clooney puts in his hair. I, I, I don't give a damn if, you yeah. know, Michelle Pfeiffer wore her tracksuit going to the shop. I literally could not care less. I want to see them in movies. I want to see the musicians making music. I want to listen to their music. I want to look at uh, movies, you know. I want to read books. I don't care what the people behind them do, really. What's important is proper news like, like that. Well, I almost hesitate, though, even though I just did it, I would almost hesitate to be saying, oh, you know, proper news as opposed to, because there's a bit of elitism about, you know, the thing I'm interested mm. in is well, proper yeah. news and the thing you're interested in is like lower well, class. I, it's literally my own opinion. But I just don't like... I just don't understand else. why is this not... Bigger. Like, talked about every, every uh, at least at the time, every single news station on earth should mm. have been screaming about it. And then a year later... And to look back, what happened in this since kind of thing. Yeah. I just don't understand why it's not a bigger deal. Although I kind of do still, because that incident is... Oh, actually, I should say as well, for anyone looking to look up the videos, I'd almost say, firstly, don't bother. They're very disappointing. If you see them, it's like, they just they look like nothing. Because when I watched them, I watched them in a podcast with um, David Fravor describing why... See that thing there? See how it does that? See why it doesn't do this? That's what's significant about that video. If you just look it up on YouTube, it's like a stupid, crappy, grainy video. Mm. There's three of them. It's One is called the Go Fast video. Some One is called FLIR, F-L-I-R, which is forward-looking infrared radar. And the other one is called the Gimbal video. And Gimbal apparently is like a, you know, spinning top mm. like an Inception, the yeah. one that didn't fall over. Well, the Gimbal is the thing that holds, typically holds a camera and keeps it steady. Oh, well, it's like a, it's a spinning top. Basically, it's like your stereotypical UFO type thing. Okay. So they're the three videos that were released and acknowledged as being, um, a declassified as a word, and yeah. acknowledged as being authentic. But um, what's interesting about them is there is no, uh, despite how they move and the fact that they move incredibly fast, there's no sign of any propulsion anywhere in them. And like everything on Earth has some form of either rotors or propulsion. And it's like, it's such a basic kind of, you know, you know, fuel goes in and fire goes out the back and that's how you move kind of thing. This thing definitely moves somehow different. Didn't have, it didn't appear to have any propulsion or... It definitely yeah. didn't. It's, it's an active fact that it didn't because if it did, with the different cameras and spectrums that they caught it on, they would have seen it mm. if it was there. And it's it, a matter of fact that it wasn't. So um, even the guy was saying at the time, it's like, it's weird that... We saw this thing and it was kind of like, well, that's kind of an oddity. And then they went about their day. But he was saying, um, you know, if they had seen a, you know, a Russian flag on the side or a Chinese flag, hey, presto, money, no object, all military, you know, mobilized. We got to know what this is. Yeah. But when it wasn't and it was like, whatever it is, it's not our concern right now. We got a war to go to and we don't <laughs> yeah, have time yeah, for yeah. this. They just went on about it. And weirdly, because that, that, by the way, this isn't an oddity. Apparently, this has been... In the, especially in the Navy for some reason for a long time, I'd say, um, where they just, they would see something and even visually catch it and then just, you know, land back at the base and be like, well, we're going to file a report, but are you going to 
shout out about this? I imagine it's probably because the Navy are on the ocean a lot and the ocean has better view lines. And on top of that, most of our planet is ocean. So if you mm. want to see something like that, the odds are... Well, I wonder, because I do wonder, is it that they're mostly out in the ocean and therefore that's where they're seen? Or is it that they're mostly out in the ocean and that's... Or sorry, is it that... Uh, that's where a lot of military exercises that's happen what I'm saying. with this kind of that's stuff going saying. on. Yeah. And that's where that's where the yeah. military are. But there's the Navy and they're scanning. Yes, those areas exactly. Is that where there's better where yeah. there's better um radar kind of capture and stuff. Yeah. But really interesting, right? That was in say this happened in two thousand and four, right? The the newspaper actually came on twenty seventeen, but this happened in two thousand and four. A decade later, there's another guy, Ryan Graves, right? And he again he was just at the time he was just a pilot. And he um as they're, really, as they're building new planes, all the new planes get all the cool new stuff. And then they will retrofit the older planes with that cool new stuff as well. So he was out with his squad and they were doing loads of flights and exercises and stuff. And then they had a couple of months of a break when they were upgrading the radar on their planes. And then they went out again with this newer radar. And suddenly they were like, holy moly, there's dots everywhere. What the hell? Is, you know?" And they automatically assume, you know, there's clearly something it's wrong with this fandangled yeah. new radar that's not working right. And um, they landed back and they were talking to the... Um, the kind of central cruiser that does all the, the radar scanning. They were going, yeah, no, this has been, we've been seeing this thing for months, well, these things for months. So at one point, they actually nearly had the mid-air collision with one because it, even though you'd imagine planes, planes are flying around the sky, they're just going everywhere. Actually, well, obviously, it's very controlled, but they have an airspace, which is like a big sector that they, that's their airspace that they're doing their exercise in. And they have a kind of an entry and an exit point to that airspace in one specific kind of, part of the sky I guess and as they were um, two planes were exiting and they flew right past one of these things and I don't know how close these planes go together it would sound like a lot like you know 100 feet or something but in you know flying at hundreds of miles an hour that's very close mm. but this thing was within 50 feet away from them in between them as they passed it and um, they actually did manage to get a good look at it and this the way they describe this thing is weird and there's multiple sightings of these things, by the way. And this guy, Ryan Graves, he went on to become an aviation safety, you know, inspector or something. And he really started pushing for, I don't really care what these things are. All I care about is my job is to keep the plane safe. And these things are out there and we don't know what they are. And they're in our airspace. And we nearly crashed against one. We got to do something about it. We should at least look into it enough to know what the hell they are. But the things that they saw there were... Because there, there's multiple different kind of sightings, I'm using air quotes here, of different types of alien ships that have been seen over the years. And I'm not going to go into all of them. Not that there's actually not that many, but um, but the Tic Tac is one that's very specific. The gimbal is what you'd consider, you know, Ed Wood, Plan 9 from outer space. Yeah. That's your stereotypical flying saucer. And, um, and this thing is, it's a translucent kind of a sphere with a black or a kind of a gray Can you bring up cube. a picture of it? Well, I can, and it'll be interesting for you too, but it'll really be boring for everybody listening. But um, hang on, I'll see. It's mad that there are multiple types that have been multiply reported by different people. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, because like... I'll tell you what, though. I'm going to let you Google it because I am just don't want to lose my flow and keep yeah. yep, every yep, listener yep. really bored. Yep. If you just look up um, UFO translucent sphere, it'll probably okay. find something like it. But, um, but yeah, so it, this is very interesting to me that... Um, well, I guess, again, it's another... It's another level of a credible witness and multiple sightings and captured with multiple instruments. And to me, that level of criteria 
is what makes a UFO sighting interesting. Mm. You know, some somebody saying they saw something in the sky out the backyard, meh, maybe not interested because there's yeah. thousands of those claims over decades. But, you know, someone who kind of has a lot to lose with, you know, by, by you know, and I'll, let me give an example, right? Because these people have, I guess, reputations and you can, your reputation can be damaged and all. Um, but I think, by the way, the, the, where I'm going with all of this, I think that uh, all this UFO stuff is being taken more seriously, really only since 2017. And I think that it's going to be relatively nearer, maybe in the next few years, you're going to start hearing or seeing a little bit more official acknowledgements coming out. I pers- this is only my own personal opinion now, but yeah. from listening and seeing how things are going, I think that that's going to be the case. Um, because when the 27 RT article came out, uh, I guess the Senate in America were kind of like, wait a minute, we're spending money on this? And uh, well, why don't we know about this? So it kind of became a bit, there are multiple senators now who are really putting the foot down saying, I don't know if they're real or not, but I want to know. And I want to know who... Where, where's this money coming from and why don't I know about it and I think once I think it's a bit of a snub to them to find out this is happening in your house under your nose and you don't know about it you know making a fool of you but um, I think what happened is all this UFO stuff I'm sure you've all heard of Roswell yes the crash in <clears throat> 1947 <clears throat> alleged crash in 1947 um, that kind of really started it all off and unfortunately that happened to be right at the start of the Cold War two years after World War One. I'm sorry, two. Uh, yeah. And um, all of a sudden, um, you know, there was this huge big, you know, the Russia who were our, uh, America's allies are now, you know, becoming the, the big bad. And um, so suddenly when there's a crash and it's all been, you know, well, sorry, alleged crash, there's a lot of secrecy about we don't want to acknowledge what it is and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know where to go next because I'm kind of going off tangent a bit. But I guess basically what I'm saying is from the 40s until I would say probably the fall of the Berlin Wall, there was a huge push to really repress and keep secret all, any talk of UFOs. Whether they're real or not, doesn't matter. We can't have people worrying about what's in the sky kind of thing. And um, the American government had a totally secret, off the books, kind of a, this is real X-Files stuff, but it's actually 100% true. They had a agency or a, a project, I guess, that was headed up by a guy and he was tasked with do research and investigate every UFO claim that you come across, but debunk them all. You, your job isn't to investigate them. Your job is to say you investigated them and say there's nothing. He's the guy who famously, because it was a huge UFO sighting over Michigan, there was like, I don't know, loads of them. There's hundreds of witnesses. There's like Air Force people, um, the, the governor who went later on went on to be president. Loads of, you know, there's obviously a lot of, you know, what I call normal people, which I equate to not a credible witness. But there were a lot of credible witnesses, and even just the sheer volume of them as well kind of lends itself to something. Uh, this guy came up, and he, in the, I don't know if I said the project that he was heading was called Project Blue Book, and it ran on for something like 20 or 30 years. And he just debunked everything constantly. That was his job. And uh, when the whole sighting over Michigan came, he just said, and he coined, I think, the phrase which became famous and used in Men in Black with Will Smith. It's like, oh, yeah, no, you just, that was just swamp gas that you saw and you thought it was spaceships. But um, he 
afterwards when he retired from Project Blue Book and he was in his golden years, he looked back and he was like, yeah, no, they're totally real. 100% what I've seen, what I know, definitely, you know, he, he because he was kind of, I guess, under a contract and all, he kept Couldn't, doing what yeah. he was doing. Yeah. But afterwards, when he was out <clears> of the thing, he acknowledged that the UFOs were, there's definitely more to it, yeah. at least. And it's it, fascinating stuff. Uh, and stuff I didn't know because I didn't, I misunderstood the brief. I didn't actually look up UFOs. I looked up aliens. So, but yeah. it does tie in, obviously, because yeah. know, who the hell is driving these things? So, <laughs> the, the thing about it is, is that, and I don't know if, 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 if it's okay for me to... Oh, please do. Yeah, sorry. I know um, I'm hijacking this episode completely. No, 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 I, no, I don't, don't really want to. Because, um, and, and it's fascinating for the simple reason that, what are the odds? The odds are actually astronomically teensy tiny, teeny tiny, tiny that the UFOs have aliens in them from another planet. So there are, they, scientists think right now that there are about 60 billion planets in our galaxy that could have life on them. They reckon that their best, and their best guess at the universe is that there are 50 sextillion planets that may have life on them right now sextillion for anyone doesn't know is the, that's a one with 36 zeros at the end of it did you hear that part very nice <laughs> yeah. yeah so there's a huge amount of planets a massively ridiculously huge amount of planets that might have life on them right but here's the thing the universe is um 26.7 billion years old again that's what they they think it is now 26.7 billion years old. From the time of the Big Bang, just a scant 30 million years after that, which isn't even a drop in the ocean of 26.7 billion. You know, that's even new because mm. the universe, until really, really recently, they thought it was only half that. Yeah, half that. And I was like... That's really new, yeah. yeah. I, like, I try and stay up to date, you know. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so 30 million years after the Big Bang is when they think that life could have started. That the, the planet may have formed life on it, so that's nothing in the in the in the in the in the terms of twenty six point seven billion years. Okay, we as humans have only been around for three hundred thousand years, which is literally nothing. And only for the last, I don't know what of that have we actually been able to write things down and record stuff. So, yeah. the odds that a civilization hasn't happened on another planet, lived, died, and their planet disappeared or got hit by a comet or whatever it is and then that they became technologically advanced enough to be able to travel the stars and find us on our planet is infinitesimally small the odds of it are yeah. so tiny 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 i would say if it was a case that that we are the only life then i would be thinking yeah this is definitely simulation 100 percent. there's no way it didn't happen although there's things like the drake equation where some guy yeah. called drake came up with math and he said Hey, look, you know, this planet is got that's amount of That's where I got the numbers for the amount of planets yeah. in our galaxy. I always have a, a problem with the Drake equation, though. And this is just me now, but... You should stick to just doing music? <laughs> no, because <well, no>, <laughs> AI can do his music now anyway. Oh, yeah, true. But um, he's extrapolating from one data point. He can say there's X amount of exoplanets and all that kind of stuff, and that's a number that's there and true, or at least estimated. Actually, wait, go back, go back a step. Explain a little bit about the Drake equation. Oh, sorry. Okay, the, the Drake equation is where there's this guy. Actually, he's the, I think he's the founder of uh, SETI. He, he said, if there are, I don't know, let's say whatever trillions of planets that Barry said, there exist in the universe. Um, therefore, you know, sorry. our 
planet has life on it and therefore there must be life on X amount, X percent of other planets. Yeah. And if you take a percent of that big number, then that means that there's hundreds of millions of other aliens. No. But the problem is he's extrapolating all of that from one data point. You can't. That's, that's mathematically inaccurate. You, What's you, the data point? Us. Yeah. <laughs> all he knows is yeah. life formed once and there's loads of other planets, therefore it formed there too. Yeah. That's a leap. Was he it's a, it's an, but it's is, he, is he saying there's definitely life there, or was he just saying there's po- the possibility? Oh no, it's only, it's, only life. A po- it's only a possibility. It's only yeah. a possibility. I mean, obviously, it's only a possibility. But is his posit that 100? I'm saying that there has to be no. life on these planets. Is he I saying guess. that the odds or see, put it this way: if if you if if you said, well, there's so many planets, the odds are there's life on some of them. Yeah. that's perfectly valid to say. Yes. but if you say. I estimate that the pr- percentage possibility okay. of life You're forming on a planet two. is 0.1% and there's trillions of planets, therefore there's hundreds of millions of them that have life on them. Yeah. Along that kind of train of, thought. train of thought, one step is made up. Yeah. And that is the percentage probability that life can form on a planet yeah. that is but not habitable. Only, and that's the thing. Not only does life have to form, because life, of course, we, like if you ask a NASA scientist, life is, that, that glass of water you're about to sip from now, Mart, is full of it. Billions mm. and billions upon life in that glass of water, yeah. Um, and that's life. That's that's what yeah. it's made up of. Um, so, like, yes, billions of planets might have life on them, but it might be, it's life, Jim, but not as we know it. Um, and then... So then we have to look at the odds of them developing the same way we did, more or less, that they can you know, communicate and build things and do stuff. And then that they did it around the same time we did in the history of, 20, uh, what did I say it was, 26.7 billion years that they haven't come and gone or they've yet to come, you know. There might be a planet out there that has, uh, they're just now genetically forming into hmm. something that can speak. Or you know, or or posit thoughts to each other. You know, there there could be millions of years behind where we are right now. So the odds of them, uh, but of course they must be way more advanced than us because they're able to build these amazing TikTok, tick TikTok, tip TikTok ships, TikTok, <laughs> TikTok. Thank you, TikTok ships and square ships and translucent ships and spheres and all this kind of stuff and visit Earth. And then, then you've got to go down the road of why would they visit us? I mean, you could say, oh, maybe we have resources that they want or something like that. But if they did, they could. They, they seem to have the technology. They could come and take it. I they mean, don't. any resource on Earth is plentiful everywhere else in the universe. Ooh, this is it. Like, remember the movie Signs, where it was like a really good movie, where yeah. with the, the Greys visited, um, and they came here to take our water. You find an asteroid or find Literally. like Europa. Europa is water, just nothing. You know, a ton of water, a ton. <laughs> Yeah, a lot, there's a lot. There's a lot of water. Um, One because ton. I mean, if you look at the way we are, if you look at our uh, human history, <laughs> aliens would go. I mean, you can have imagine them having the conversation. Well, we want to meet them and and bring them, and you know, we'll integrate them into the Federation of Planets, and then it's like because like you know, nothing bad could possibly come of that of bringing humans to our resource-rich planet. But the way I see it, Barry, is like think of this, right? If you look on Earth, every Stupid little anthill with some weird ant in it. There's some, I don't know, science guy, science nerd, who wants to go and study them and research them. There's people who go live with gorillas and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's I true. mean... But they're not researching us. They're, they're, have, they're joyriding. They're, doing, well, they're pulling donuts over yeah. the Pacific. Like. I mean, it's so interesting. It's, all right. but, but And I'll, let me tell you, because I'll come back to that. There is a, a speculation as to why they are here, I guess. Um, 
But before I go there, I'm going to say, what really I find interesting is, if you look at the history of all UFO things, um, one of the stories that's very, very famous in UFOlogy, like the big ones are Roswell. Um, obviously, there's the David Fravor incident, now the Nimitz one. And another, probably the next biggest after Roswell was in 1988, there's a guy called Bob Lazar. I don't know, have you ever heard of Bob Lazar? Nope. Have you ever heard of Area 51? Yes. The reason you know of Area 51 is Bob Lazar. Oh, I thought it was because of Roswell. Nope. Nope. Um, because Area 51 might have been built because of Roswell. Ah. But the reason you know about it isn't because of Roswell. Ah. There's this guy, right? Um, and basically, this is the 80s. He is a kind of a weird, quirky scientist guy. And he's by weird and quirky. He did stupid things like put a jet engine on the back of a car. And he, you know, he was interested in propulsion kind of stuff. And he was able to drive it around kind of thing. Right. But anyway. Really fast. Once. I'll, I'll, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, he was, he had it working. He had it working. But ultimately, right, he, I'll, I'll, I'll start at the bit that we heard about him. He went to the press and he told a journalist, listen, I got a story to tell you. And the reason I'm telling you is I fear for my life. So he was saying he was hired by a secret government agency. They were collecting him in a bus. Well, he had to go to a certain area of the desert and him and a few other people would get put in a bus, driven out to this secret military base that exists in the desert that no one knows about. And he was out there working on alien spaceships. He saw them. Some of them were actually, the humans were able to fly them around. And his job was to work and try to figure out the propulsion system. So this was a story and he was working on it. But then he started getting worried that he found out, I think, that they were tapping his house, sort of tapping his phones or something. So he thought, oh, they're on to me. So really quickly, he went, he found all his friends. He said, listen, guys, I got something to tell you. I'm doing all this thing. I'm working in this base. I'm scared they're going to kill me. So if they do, if I disappear, you know, this is where I was. Just tell someone, right? And he actually drove them out to... Uh, Area 51 And th- back then the, the fence was kind of Closer to where stuff is happening Since then Because of this They've moved the fence Way way back um, He drove out And they parked up And said now Watch the skies You'll see these things And they saw these weird Things flying around And he went there Three weeks in a row Because they did it Like what, 8 o'clock on a Wednesday Or something like that They went there regularly So he knew the times That they were practicing Flying these things But on the third time A bunch of men in black suits Showed up and arrested him Now what had actually happened was or, well, I guess, allegedly. Um, he was working there, but his wife, because he's obviously going off in this secret job that he can't tell anyone about, he was like telling his wife, well, dear, I got to go do my secret job, so I won't see you for a while. And um, she just started cheating on him with his with her flight instructor or something. So the, the guys running the base were thinking, okay, you know, we need our guys to be, you know, emotionally stable and have a stable home life and all. So they got worried about him because of the wife cheating, because they knew the wife was cheating because they had, you know, the... They, they know these things. So they started really tapping his phones and following him and everything just to keep an eye on him. And he twigged this and he thought, oh my God, they're going to kill me. So he went to the press. But basically he went to the press. He told this redonkulous, crazy, it's so over the top, ridiculously unbelievable story. Um, and of course, it was like, you know, a bit of a funny news kind of thing. And then alien kind of UFO people were really latched onto this for 30 years thinking, you know, yes, this is proof, see? But... I, think, I never believed it because how could you believe, you know, some guy, if some guy said, you know, oh, 
you know, we 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 caught something on film or something. That's that's a that's wow. But he went all in. The stretch was too much to try to believe that, uh, you know, we have the ships. Some of them are flying. We have the materials. We practice the... Hang on. Oh, look, go on. Um, you know, the, the story was just too much of a stretch for me. But then, as it turns out, um, 30 years later, and he never changed his story for 30 years. He always was basically, look, this is what happened. But the thing is, he wasn't... Because, again, you see, a lot of this stuff is... You say a crazy story, I got abducted by aliens, something stupid like that. And then you go write a book, you do the book tour, you go on, you know, TV appearances. This guy did not want any of that. He never wrote anything, didn't do books, didn't do nothing. And um, he, at the time, told his story when he thought they were going to kill him. And um, I think he really went into detail with this particular um, journalist at the time. And the journalist, actually, his name is George Knapp, he was so intrigued by this because from his point of view it's like okay this guy's either lying or telling the truth and this is the most amazing story ever and it's literally earth shatteringly huge and he believed it and he just dedicated the rest of his career to trying to figure out this whole alien stuff that's all he does now George Knapp if you look him up he's just the kind of alien journalist guy Um, but anyway this whole Bob Lazar story he went into so much detail about he was really so specific and at the time, it was so ridiculously fantastical. But now, over the last 30 years, so much stuff, you look back on it and go, huh, okay, that's actually credible now. I'll give an example. One of the things he said was, and again, he was, he was so specific in everything he said. He was saying the base had this kind of a special way of, of entering where you would put your hand on a scanner, and it would scan your hand. But it wouldn't scan your fingerprints or anything like that. It would put a light through your hand and read the bone density in your hand, and that would, you know, that would be your pass code to get into the base. And at the time, of course, that sounded ridiculous. But, what, 20 or 25 years later or something, the military re- released, yeah, fine, actually, we do have that technology, and that's what we do use at Secret Installations. That literally is exactly what it is, and it's exactly how he described it at the time. So... Immediately, what was kind of a stretch to believe, eh, that kind of a little grain of sand to be like, okay, mm, yeah, that kind of seems believable. But of course, the military immediately had turned around and said, nah, this guy never heard him for, never heard him for in life. And they denied that he was ever there, that he had nothing. So one time, George Knapp went out with him, and um, there, there was no evidence of him in the HR records or anything, but he was walking through the place and he recognized people, they recognized him, and they found an old kind of a phone directory, a company phone directory. And he was on it. So that shows not only that he really was there, working there, but also that the military then turned around and deleted everything and tried to cover it up. So, and again, this is the 80s. This is before the fall of the Berlin Wall, covering up everything UFO was par for the course. So straight away, that's very, um, it's very telling, I think, that he already knew this. But then all that tells you is, yep, he really worked in Area 51. That doesn't actually tell you that he was working on alien spaceships like he was claiming that he did. And uh, according to him, he was, again, so specific about everything. And he's drawn the craft in minute detail inside and out. What did the Stereotypical UFO. See, this is the thing. Hollywood has almost done a disservice to, you know, if there are really UFOs. Because if if, if ever is revealed, what do you know? UFOs are real and we have one and look at it. It is going to look like something out of that stupid Ed Wood movie, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Well, there's a flying saucer, literally. But probably without the windows. Well, you yeah. see, yeah, but the, there's, okay, so 
there's a lot to unwrap and everything you just talked about there but like if you were the military wouldn't you make wouldn't you say oh yeah there's a spaceship and the spaceship looks like this spaceship looks like a ufo or a, you know a typical flying stereo, saucer. A flying wait are you saucer. saying would the military do full disclosure no i'm saying the military would say oh yeah that is what it's like so that you'll get the kooks going I know what you're saying. What you're saying is it's almost beneficial for the military that Hollywood makes, uh, you know, movies and things of these so that if someone says, hey, I saw a UFO and it looks just like the movie last week, everyone's going to say, yeah, you just saw the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, exactly. That's why. Do you, remember, do you ever watch the movie, uh, the TV show Stargate? Stargate um, SG-1. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I even remember the There episode. was one, basically, <laughs> yeah. again, this is a fictional TV show, but they had this secret military thing going on and then they deliberately revealed some kind of a hints to a TV show yeah. to let the TV show make a fake TV show of the secret project so that if any details of the project ever got out, people would just be like, yeah, no, that's a TV show. <laughs> so anyway, but uh, the interesting Not thing about Bob Lazar and there. more stuff to um, Bob Lazar that, that again makes me think, oh, okay, that, that seems to make sense now. He was really, really specific in how these things worked. And again, remember, he was hired because he's a propulsion expert. And they told him, go in there and try to figure out how that thing flies, because we don't know. And because obviously they're trying to back engineer it. And um, he was so specific at describing how the, the, the saucer on the bottom part has these three kind of big rods. And the rods can bend either way, depending which makes it go left or right or up or down or whatever. But he was saying when it wants to go really fast in a distance, what it does is it turns on its side and then the rods go a certain way and it bends space time in front of it and falls into that space. And that's how it was able to move incredibly fast. And that's what's interesting about one of the movies, the, the, the films that's been caught by the military nose cam thingy of a fighter jet is um, the Gimbal movie. It, it's flying around and it is a stereotypical flying saucer shaped thing. Then it turns on its side and goes exactly, exactly what Bob Lazar 30 years ago said. This is how they move and this is how it'll have to go on its side because that's how it flies that way. And another thing he described, and this has been, there's people who claim to have... Um, certain materials of crashed ships and um the metallurgists who had a chance to look at a kind of thing basically they've described it as being and again bob lazar described all this in the 80s that it's it's almost like it's 3d printed but at the atomic level now that is like not the molecular level go even smaller again the atomic level the the surface is 3d printed with at the atomic level like that layered and the way Bob Lazar was talking about it, for some reason, he's like, it has to be layered like this. This is just what I know because of whatever. But that's the thing that's interesting to me. He's talking about 3D printing of stuff. 40 years ago. 40 years ago. Well, yeah. And it's just all the things that he was talking about, which at the time were just off the wall. I just, I mean, even for me, I was like, nah, I mean, this is just a bridge too far. It's just ridiculous. Much as... I would, and again, I'm always intrigued and excited by it because I'm like, yeah, but imagine, maybe, gee, just, it's so cool. But at the same time, no, I just don't buy any of that. But definitely since the whole David Fravor thing, I'm like, I mean, eh. But it's okay. still, still, still not bought in. Go on. So, now let's ask the question again. But we never actually asked you. Do you uh, think... Yeah, but he answered it. We didn't because he answered it himself just as soon as he asked us. Yeah, he did answer but it let's himself. ask it again just for clarity. What was the question exactly? Did did we believe in... Well, what I was asking you is not... Do you believe that intelligent life 
is visiting Earth okay, now. Oh, still no. Right. Oh, well, I'll tell you. Because again, UFO, Tic Tac, flying around, doing things we can't explain. That is just a technology we can't explain. There's one other big event that happened, and this only happened a month ago. I wanted to do this episode for the last couple of episodes, and I'm glad I didn't, because that would have been a big reveal that was missed out on. There is a guy called David Grush. He is one of the most senior people in the intelligence circles in America. He was working on, you know, I told you that there was a... um, uh, The Blue Book or something. Well, no, Blue Book was in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and that was actively, your job is debunk all findings. Oh, yeah, okay. And since then, there was another one for like five or six or seven years. Then there was another one for 10 years. Then there was that secret one that got busted by the New York Times. And that one that got busted by the New York Times, that's the interesting one because there was a guy who headed that. And his, by now, remember, this is the 2000s. This isn't, um, you know, the Cold War anymore. That whole secrecy thing just wasn't there anymore. Funny enough, that secrecy got replaced by apathy. It was like, suddenly... We don't need to really keep it secret anymore. Eh, nobody cares. Nobody and cares. And that's exactly what happened. Nobody yeah. cared when a pilot came back and said, I have this on film. It jammed my radar. Um, I got it on a, you know, infrared. I got it on a radar. I saw it. Kim Kardashian balanced you know, a glass of champagne in her ass. Exactly. It's just, it literally did get that way. Yeah. But like even Ryan Graves comes back and says, you know, I'm filing dozens of reports. And he, he, he told all of his pilots, file a report every single time you see one of these. We need to, and like, their, their approach is, or Ryan Graves especially is, I kind of don't care what it is. I care that it's there. And again, yeah. he's just saying, and this is definitely true still. It's like, there is something there. I think you definitely can't deny that. You can say, well, clearly it's not aliens coming from another planet and flying around here. But it's something. It's definitely and something. And it's something that's acting in a way that we can't explain using technology that seems to be beyond anything we have. But all he's saying is, go and look. And the problem is, and this is why, this is what kills me, right? Everybody... Well, not everybody. I've heard this argument made repeatedly, even by Elon Musk, even by Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Oh, yeah, sure. There's aliens flying everywhere. And then the minute everyone has a, you know, 20 million megapixel uh, camera in every single pocket on every human on Earth, oh, all of a sudden, where are the aliens? They're not there anymore, so you can't grab a good picture. So all the pictures okay, you have are a good crappy, argument. grainy crap from the 50s. No, it isn't. It's the most ridiculous. And I honestly, when I heard Neil deGrasse Tyson say it, I was like... You're being intellectually dishonest. I reckon you have another agenda here. He definitely... Well, all I think is that he's just... He, Neil deGrasse Tyson's like talking to a Mormon. He's got a path to, he's going to preach to you on and he can't go off it for a second and talk about anything else. But basically, remember, the, this isn't some random act of nature like a volcano. That's just something that's just in the sky. These are intelligently controlled. I definitely believe that. All the evidence suggests that. They're flying around in the 50s when someone has a camera that they can wait there while I, you know, hold it here for 30 seconds and let it develop, you know, so they know we can fly over this guy's barn house and do whatever we like. Then, you know, time goes on and they're not like hidden away somewhere and they have no idea what we're, they're obviously observing us if this is real and true and there are aliens and they are here and they know what level of technology we are at. So they realize, okay, now there's better cameras. We better start doing a bit better and hiding. Now, Definitely there are cases, like I think the Tic Tac, it's as if, because again, I'm, I'm guessing these aliens, if there are really aliens, and there's some intelligence there, but there's not like some hive mind. Probably they're like, right lads, 
cap on now. We gotta stay a bit more hidden. And suddenly some Stop asshole doing goes, uh, yes. doing donuts and some over the asshole Pacific. alien goes flying off after a pilot. And it's like, you know, I just, you know. Uh, I was bored. Yeah. So uh, I do think that that's why, oh, all of a sudden, we're, sure, where are all the good pictures? Because every picture is all terrible. But the thing is, these pictures that have been released by the Pentagon, and I should say, something being classified or not classified. Let's say an F-18 Hornet was flying over Galway and it took a picture of Shop Street. Well, that, that image is now classified. It's not that there's some secret thing about Chop Street or that there was something secret on it at the time. It's more the technology that took the picture. If you release that picture to the public and say, hey, look at the picture of Chop Street that was taken by this warplane. Now the Russian will say, oh, so I can see that that warplane has this kind of resolution and it can do this. So that's what classifying okay, okay. something means. And of course... It's not like the military look at every single image and say, nah, let's not classify that one. Yeah, let's classify that. They just say, everything's classified because it's just easier, you know, <laughs> path of least resistance. So for something to get declassified doesn't necessarily mean it's secret or anything. It's just, you know, somebody has to sit down and, and, and allow it out. And basically the three images or videos that got declassified, that's kind of a, f- act, I'll tell you, because it's a crazy ass story, even though it isn't necessary to this you know, UFO thing, right? There is a band called Blink-182. Yes. yes. And there is a lead singer of that band. I can't remember his name now. He, he, the way he tells it, he's like, he was always into UFOs anyway, but he's, you know, traveling from gig to gig back in the day, and this is back before internets and phones and all, so he would just be reading books all the time. So what is he interested in? UFOs? So he reads all about UFOs. Now this guy went fully down the rabbit hole, and to hear him talk... He was onto something with the UFOs, but he is buying into every other conspiracy theory ever. Oh so it almost doesn't do it. But anyway, he set up a company. It's a, it's a To The Stars Academy. And the, I'm not going to go into the detail, but long in the short, he was thinking, I will do movies and stuff, fictional movies that will prepare people for when this reveal, because he believes there's going to be a big disclosure when all the information of UFOs will be revealed by the government and we'll all know they're there and all that. So he was preparing for this. But as he had this To The Stars Academy thing set up, the guy who ran the UFO research thing that got revealed by the New York Times in 2017, uh, his name is Lou Alessandro. He he was kind of getting frustrated by, because already that that thing was funded 22 million quid, right? Which, eh, for a couple of years to research UFOs, 22 million quid is peanuts, really and truly nothing. So he was frustrated that I don't have the resources to do this right, and yet what I'm seeing... This shit's worth investigating at least. And he's yeah. coming at this from a... See, this is the thing. The Americans are coming at this from a national security perspective. They're not coming at it from a scientific knowledge or an intellectual yeah, yeah. curiosity. They're like, well, you know, it, what are, what's the threat? This is yeah. a threat. We've got to get ready for it. And um, this guy, Lou Elizondo, managed to totally officially, and didn't do anything wrong, request that these three videos get declassified and he was saying, it just literally, he put in the request one evening, boom, they're declassified the next morning. So he reckons, or I don't know who was saying it, not him, but it must be that some, you know, intern in the Pentagon was just like, yeah, okay, and declassify them. That, that's not official at all. But yeah. basically, the, he snuck it out the door, out the front door, totally officially. They got declassified very suddenly when he just asked, and he just grabbed them and gave them to the To The Stars Academy, and they released them on the internet, and that's what got to the... New York Times attention yeah. and that's what got them out there 15 years after the fact so it's such a random kind of a story to have happened but um, so I guess I reckon already 
if you were to tell me, oh, sorry, I was starting to talk about David Grush, right? So David Grush is this super senior intelligence official who was working with this, uh, I guess, alien UFO investigation agency for a number of years. And he, and there's something very significant. He just basically went to the press and said, hey, everyone, we have UFOs. We have nine, of, I don't know if there's nine of them or 12 of them, he said. I think we have 12 UFOs. Some of them are functional. We have wreckages of others. And we have alien bodies. So he has gone all in, in the most crazy ass, unbelievable story you ever okay, heard. Yes. And again, I'm listening to this and like, it just seems so over the top. Yeah. But the thing is, there's at least a dozen other senior officials who aren't saying, yeah, he's telling the truth, but they're all saying, this guy's, you know, reputation is is beyond reproach. He absolutely isn't just, he's not the type to be coming up with flights of fancy. And again, it's like, let's say Edward Snowden, right? He was working for the NSA. He saw something and thought, the, the people should know this. So he went to the public and was a whistleblower. And when he was, what happened to him? Yeah. He's living in Russia now. He had to become a Russian citizen because he could never go back to his luxury mansion that he had in his comfortable life in America. He threw all that away and burned his life down to tell the world what he thought the world should know. So, you know, that's why I can see why people know this stuff and don't want to talk about it. But, and this is why I'm kind of saying, a lot of things are lining up now to make it look like more is going to come out. And only last year, the American government um, passed a whistleblower act for UFOs. And again, just the fact of, yes, the Senate in America are passing laws about UFOs now. That's happening on the regular. Um, They made a law to say, if you know anything about, um, you know, UFOs or ships or bodies or any of that crap, come forward, tell us it's okay. And he had gone to the UFO researching agency and told them, by the way, he went to the agency first. They didn't publish it to the Senate. So he went directly to the Senate and said, guys, I told them this. They're not listening. I'm telling you now. And um, they were going to go, you know, well, we'll put the wheels in motion and all. But then he started getting nervous for his own uh, safety. So he just went to the public and just said it to the to the media. And again, because of the Whistleblower Act, he's safe in doing that. Unlike, you know, Edward Snowden, where there wasn't a Whistleblower Act and he burned down his life to do it. So this guy, eh, when I listen to him talk, I'm thinking, again, what is he? Totally full of shit and just decides to totally throw away his entire life to say stupid stuff and, you know, it. if that's what he's doing, I in no way see how, I can't join the dots to understand. Why? Why? Why would anyone do that? And again, all that does is reframe in my life all these other things I heard that I dismissed. Because it would make you think, right? Let's say UFOs are real. Let's say there really was a crash in Roswell and they really got an alien spaceship. Why hasn't anyone else spoken about it? Like, And this is the problem with nearly every conspiracy theory is that, you know, the best way to keep a secret is not to tell anyone. If you've got more than one person that knows something, then three people are going to know and then four and then and it's exponential. You, so you, you've got government employees, thousands of them over the last, what, 60, 70 years working on these secret projects and not a single one of them has ever secretly released the information or, you know, it's, it's, it is very hard to believe that that would happen. That that there'd be no one in seventy years of thousands of people that would have worked on this, on these different projects and stuff, wouldn't have come out and said, "Well, you know, actually, the government are actually paying us to debunk every single UFO sighting." No, I'm going to just 
give you the counter to that because yeah. uh, for starters I'm going to say because you know the whole my in my mind is always Bill Clinton Monica Lewinsky there was two people in that room how the hell did the whole world find out you know Jesus and both of them was in their interest to shut the hell up so point, you know once two people know it it's going to get out right yeah. that's the that's the the, the the old thing about every conspiracy theory and every everything but then again you know the stealth bomber I can't remember what it's called the SR-71 Blackbird that there was something like 227,000 people worked on that project. Mm. Not one of them leaked anything. That's true. So, you know, now again... The Manhattan Project. The Manhattan Project's yeah. even bigger, yeah. yeah. And again, you could say, though, that SR something... something SR-71 Blackbird. Yes. Um, you know, if they had been told, keep that secret for 80 years, yeah, someone would have let it out. But the thing is, there's hundreds... Literally hundreds of people, people on their deathbed, people who are retired and decided, you know what, uh, you know, I've lived my life, my career's over now. Anyway, you know, I'm old, I'm going to just say it, fuck it. We have aliens, we have yeah, bodies. Yeah, yeah, you and everyone's think. like, you know, oh, he used to be a good intelligence officer, look at him now, yeah. what a pity. You know, yeah. it's like, no one believed it, yeah. and it happened hundreds of times. So, and again... I didn't believe any of that crap either. When I heard all this stuff, I'd be like, you know, you have watched one too many episodes of the X-Files. Okay, so wait a second. Yeah. So what's the turning point that, that makes you go, okay, maybe this is believe. What happened? You said this happened last month. What happened a month ago? Well, I'm going to, the turning point for me is the Nimitz incident, right? The USS Nimitz, the fighter jets on that aircraft carrier caught basically video oh, yeah. footage of aliens. Okay. And multiple Top Gun pilots, like half a dozen or more, all saw it with their eyes, caught it on radar, caught it on infrared, caught it on camera, multiple different instrumentation, all captured it. So whatever it was, it didn't move like any technology known to man or one. And it's undeniably real and it happened. And there's no two ways about that. So either the Russians or Chinese have invented a gravity-bending space-time aerial vehicle and not just invented it last week, invented it at least 20 years ago. And see, this is the thing, right? Let's say no one ever saw anything like this ever and then somebody caught it on camera last week. Yeah, the US military have new stuff. Well, all militaries in the world have new stuff all the time. You know when the Blackbird thingy was out first? Mm -hmm. Nobody knew. I'm sure. I guarantee you that is... Was can, I, can I interject on that? Because yes. obviously, as soon as you mentioned it, I was able to name the plane. I know the plane. Yes. I used to get... I was big into airplanes when I was younger, and I used to get magazines called Takeoff every uh, every month, I think. I remember it well, right? And uh, the SR-71 Blackbird featured in one of them. It's the one that stood out. That, that I bought hundreds of these magazines and thousands of planes. Mm. The SR-71 Blackbird is the one that stood out and stuck in my mind for the simple reason that... The magazine sort of made it out like, look at this amazing plane that the Americans had. And this is, would have been in the early 90s, I guess. It was decommissioned after the Vietnam War. What? The SR-71 Blackbird was decommissioned after the Vietnam War. Now, I might be misremembering this, but this is, this is how it is in my head. Um, and was recommissioned or taken out of retirement, I guess, for the first Gulf War in 1990. So not only did they have that incredible technology, but they and they and said, "Oh yeah, look at this! This is amazing technology that they have." They've had they had had it for twenty years at that point, and yeah. they, it's so long that they had just gone. Ah, oh, we don't really need it anymore. We did commission it now, and uh, and yeah. So yeah, and I mean that's the thing: technology, technological progress isn't like uh, Mister Data in Star Trek. It's like 
There's no Android anywhere and then someone built an Android. That yeah, would that never does, happen in real life. Yeah. All technological progress is this gradual line graph up yeah, yeah, step, incrementally. Yeah. And I see further than others because I stand on the shoulders of giants kind of thing. It's There's no... I'm going to say it. I think anyway that there's no way possible that anyone had any sort of a gravitational bending engine in, say, the 50s or 60s or 70s. Mm. If you were to tell me that someone has one now, okay, maybe it was invented, I don't know, maybe there's a gradual incline to that level of technology that we don't know about yet. But if that was around 60 years ago, we would have seen some other offshoots of that technology and other aspects of life today. Yes, exactly. Like that dude, what did you say his name was? Lazar? Bob Lazar, yeah. yeah. He was. He came out in the 80s and said that, but he said he worked, what did he, when had he worked in Well, well he, he worked, he, he literally came out in 1988, he was working there at that time, and oh, he came okay, out because yeah. it was like, "Oh my God, they're going to kill yeah, me." Okay, so it was in the 80s he was looking at this stuff. Yes, okay, yeah, okay. exactly. I, for some reason, anytime someone mentions Roswell, I always think they worked there in the 50s. <laughs> Do you know yeah. the 60s? No, but this is the, in fact the, shi- the ship that he says he worked on. He says it was caught that they found it in an archaeological dig, whatever. Right. Okay. But the thing about Roswell that I find weird then is it because again, I always thought, always by default assumed, well, Roswell is obviously a story. There's like, and every July, there's a big party in Roswell because mm. that's the and your anniversary of 47 kind yeah. of thing. But it's like, now I'm looking back going, oh, I mean, if Bob Lazar is telling that crazy story and now David Grush is coming out, huh, I mean, if they have a spaceship, then surely probably one of them is the one that crashed in Roswell. And the thing about, the interesting thing about what David Grush said, and again, one, one notable thing about David Grush, right, he's the intelligence officer mm, guy yeah. and he's a super senior intelligence official. He's not just some guy. But he um, he has basically told Congress, listen, you know, this stuff's happening under your noses, under black budgets. But by the way, Barry, sorry, I was going to say, yeah. you, you were talking about how there's thousands of government officials and yeah. all. There absolutely isn't. Because this is the thing about if there are crashed spaceships and all this that are hidden somewhere, they're actually not hidden in a government bunker anywhere. And it's not government officials that are working on it. Surely there's some are. But uh, allegedly... Some of them are being given out to um, the avi- aviation companies that do that work for the military in America. You know, like Lockheed, Lockheed Martin, Martin, and Boeing, yeah. and all. So, if there is a secret spaceship somewhere that you know the government found or retrieved somewhere, they have given them to these companies and said, "You're building us our our, our military vehicles. Yeah. Figure that out." And the biggest problem, and this is why David Grush, for example, and this is why Bob Lazar always said. The biggest problem with the way that they're trying to research this stuff is they're doing it in siloed ways. So there was him and one other guy okay. trying to figure out the propulsion. Only him and one other guy. And he came in to replace, apparently, the two people before them when they cut into some part of the propulsion system and it exploded and killed them. So, no, I, allegedly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if that's true. But but Bob Lazar says there was only him and one other guy. And he's going, like, and there were other so people working on... Compartmentalized. Compartmentalized completely. He's saying yeah. there's other people who are working on the metallurgy side of it. Yeah. And there's other people working on the ale, on and, the body. And presumably side. they're only given... But they're only given the bit that you need to yeah. know, or at least the bit that some, you know, government official thinks you need yeah, to know yeah, to figure yeah, out yeah. the engine. And, and, and presumably it's probably the same thing then with the likes of Lockheed Martin. They'd be given yeah, just a certain yeah. amount of it. To and definitely not... Not not many people know about it. Not yeah, yeah. many people get access to it, and that's that's the literal opposite of how science works. Science works with collaboration. Yeah. You do a little finding, you publish it. Other scientists read it. 
they have their own thoughts, they'll take that and run with it, mm. and they might progress incrementally that step beyond that you couldn't make. Whereas if you're just one person or two people in a room trying to figure yeah. out all by yourself. It's the same, like, like anything, if you're if you're working in a job and you're trying to do something on your own, you probably will get it done, but if there's two or three of you doing the same task, yeah, or working on the same thing, you'll come up with ideas of doing it more efficiently, and someone will go, yeah, that's good, but what about if we do it this way? It, yeah. It's like, that's logical. Although, like. what Bob Lazar said, he said, the gravity engine that they have or had in Area 51 in the 80s by the way it's actually Area S4 which is a subsection of Area 51 that he was in but okay. he was saying um, he was saying it's literally as if you gave a nuclear reactor to someone in the Stone Age and said figure that out Yeah, he said we are looking at this thing you know if we had 100 years we won't figure it out we're just not going to it's just so much more advanced but than I, again anything they know. I bet you if they gave it to a ton of people well I mean if you have any chance of progressing with it and especially the metallurgy side of it yeah. um then, you know, although if it's layered at the atomic level kind of thing, it's just Sounds never like going to get anywhere. a fancy 3D printer. Yeah, literally, yeah. But um, Or the printer we'll have in 10 years. I think what's going to happen is, uh, by the sounds of things, like, for example, Congress are, well, there's some, senior, the, the most senior guy in, sorry, in the Senate has put a bill forward that he's hoping will be passed that will kind of give amnesty. And the phrasing of this bill, I'm not going to look it up and read it because it's boring when you just read a big long wall yeah. of text, but basically the phrasing is saying, very specifically, alien ships, alien bodies, and, you know, if anyone gets, anyone who's been damaged or hurt by these alien things or not, you know, covered by this kind of thing, they're basically saying you have, I think it's 180 days to come forward and acknowledge that you have it, and 300 days to, you know, admit where you got it from kind of thing. Ultimately, they're saying, we want to know anyone in a public uh, agency or a company, a private company, whatever, if you have alien stuff, we need to know about it. Tell us about it and there would be no repercussions, no prosecutions because like they are literally acting in violation of the law right now because they're operating on some secret budget that nobody knows. And I do wonder sometimes how much of this has been put in place, you know, in the Cold War that's still there yeah. and maybe nobody knows about it now kind of thing. Threadstone. Do you know, it's weird, but yeah. So anyway, so in the next year, if anyone has spaceships, they're going to have to come out and say it. Yeah. Allegedly. No. It makes me think that a couple of things. One, Independence Day was far more realistic than I initially thought. <laughs> um, and two, so was Men in Black. The whole, like, it seems to me, like, they're saying, oh, this thing was printed at an atomic level. What if that was given to a company and they looked at it and went, okay, that can't, you can't, we can't do this. This is incredibly complex stuff. But what an idea, 3D printing something. What if we were able to just get a plastic yeah. and print it in normal? Let's try that. That'll be the simplest version of this. Hmm. And suddenly, oh, no, we patent that. Sell it to, you know, whoever makes 3D printers and they make their billions. Same with the metrology, the middle part of it. Hmm. You know, we can't do the, oh, carbon fiber. <laughs> do you know yeah. how, like, and that's Men in Black. That's literally the story. I of literally Black wonder, yeah, how much stuff do we have now? Yeah. If this is real at all, how much came from that? Yeah, Yeah, Like, uh, do you know, how how much stuff comes from... Because I know for a fact, well, for a fact, I know, or I think, uh, that technology we have now and we take for granted and is is like, oh, the latest and greatest gadget, I'm pretty sure that the military had it 10 years ago. Oh, definitely, yeah. And the SR-71 story is why I think that. (laughs) They had that so... It was so advanced way back when that... And I'm and I'm sure that they're very they're they're able to control what we see to the extent that mm. if you see um, 
a soldier kitted for war he's about to go out there we don't see him fully kitted for war we see the stuff we're allowed to see and then they turn off the cameras and these guys put on the rest of their gadgets and away they go <laughs> do you know um i because you often see them and they they seem to be missing clip on just bits of them that seem uh-huh. to have Stuff that could go there, but they don't have anything there. Yeah. Um, so I think they're mm. extra clip-on bits that, that they use that we don't see. But we'll see a version of it. We'll see a civilian version of it, Wince. Because, I, 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 again, I think that the companies that make them for the military could be, if we want to go down the rabbit hole, um, they get they get this technology from, from Roswell, say, and they look at it and they go, we can't do this, but we can do this. And they make it, and the military the American government and the military give it to them. So they, well, we made it for the military first. And then they're like 10 years and now you're allowed to make a civilian version yeah, of but it. But the thing though as well, you wonder, maybe nothing came out of these things because maybe, maybe. if it is like a Stone Age person having a nuclear reactor. Yeah. Because I think what Bob Lazar was saying is they get some scientists and task them with trying to figure this stuff out and see how far they get. And then they just box it away for another 10 years and don't even do anything. It's not like somebody's constantly working on this thing for 80 years and yeah. still haven't, you know, they just go so far and say, okay, we're not doing anything. Let's wait for science to catch up a bit more and try again. Or maybe they just go, okay, we, 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 the secret budget gives you $2 million. And they go, okay, oh, well, let's try this one. We haven't tried this in a while. But you know... They throw $2 million out. It doesn't work. Uh, mothball it again and wait till we yeah. get another bit of a budget line. But another interesting angle of, um, of this whole kind of UFO sightings type thing is, again, we were talking about, isn't it weird how, like, well, are they always out in the sea and... We're only capturing them on film yeah. when they're near military stuff because or, those military stuff happen to be looking. Because the truth is, they could be everywhere and just nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. And I mean, definitely under the sea. See, this is another interesting thing about it. Um, originally, the whole UFO thing was they're in the sky. Mm. But there is one clear um, film caught of a UFO that goes into the water. And again, there's nothing we have that could do that, and especially not at the speed that it was going at. So it makes you think, oh, maybe... You know, maybe if UFOs have a secret base or are hanging around Earth. And it does seem like they're flying from space all the way down and going into the sea. And, of course, most of our planet is water. Yeah, it's a good place to hide. And most of it is unexplored. That's the thing. Nobody's looking. And and can't be explored for the simple reason that it's so deep and so big. But I was going to say, the interesting thing about um, UFOology is... There's something that happened in 1966 in America. And, again, this is one of those things because... A lot of this kind of UFO stuff, you know, they have crashed spaceships, they have bodies. That's going into the speculative area. Do you believe this David Grish guy and all that? I don't know, right? But this is something that's going back onto the footing of, well, this happened. It's documented and it's real, and there's no doubt about it. A UFO appeared over a military base in 1966 in America, and a beam came out of it, and ten it was a nuclear launch base, and all the 10 nuclear missiles went all offline. And they were they had to be manually brought back online or something. So it's like, what the hell was going on there? And the fact that it interacted with the most highest confidential, sensitive military armament that the most powerful military nation on earth had, and just turned it off. You know, that's weird. And again, it was one of those things, huh, we don't know what it is. Just kind of, you know, don't bother, don't worry about it. And another yeah. thing that happened, I think this happened in England, uh, about two or three years later um, a, a UFO came over a military base and the launch sequence was initiated and they had to manually turn it off they turned it off for 30 seconds to go and nearly launched a nuke now I don't know what the hell it would have been doing trying to do or was it just poking around and did something by mistake I don't know but it's interesting that they always seem to be around 
military bases yes, or military stuff. And if you go back to Roswell, in 1945, Roswell was the only nuclear air wing on Earth. That was where they launched the, well, the plane flew out of that dropped the nukes on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So, Really? Yeah. Okay. A, a spaceship crashed, allegedly crashed in Roswell in the 40s. Incidentally, that was the only nuclear kind of base on the planet at the time. Wow. So that's interesting. And it's interesting that 90 days after Roswell, um, if I can find it here, there is a very interesting line that I heard. Um, oh, that they, they, that was when they, they started the CIA, they, the Air Force and the military wing were merged. And there's, there's, there was some intelligence committee was formed all immediately, three months after Roswell allegedly happened. So there's just a lot around that that's like, hmm. And of course, the Manhattan Project and the nuclear stuff with that, they did a lot of their, I know they did, they blew the hell out of the American deserts and stuff. Oh, they yeah. used um, islands out in the Pacific as well, didn't they? Uh, Bikini Atoll and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Thing, yeah. That's um, where the bikini came from. Uh, so my new theory that I just formed this second is that there was an intelligent life living in our seas all this time. And we just pissed them off by blowing up, blowing the I mean, shit maybe. out of their environment. Well, what I do wonder is, because I guess the question I would have for you is, I guess, uh, for starters, I'm presuming both of you are not convinced, nope, there's still no aliens. Um, no, you've changed my mind. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, because I just <laughs> I mean, find it... <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's fascinating and it's interesting and it's definitely given me more to think about. But, but, but yeah, I kind of, I, 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 I want to believe. It's just that there's so much, the, the, the elf... If you took any one instance of all of these things, eh, you, you, could, you, know, you could write it off. You could write it off. Yeah, yeah. But when it's all stacked up on top of each other, and by the way, you could be talking for 10 hours on this topic. Yeah. There's just so much evidence or s- stuff that would kind of eh, make you think. That when it's all stacked up on top of each other, you're like, geez, that's just too much to to ignore. And it, you know, you just kind of, by the way, if anything happens to me in the next few days, it's the mayor people. The mayor people? Mayor, as in the sea. sea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Merfolk. It's like the guy with the, the wings on his ankles. Uh, Merfolk, yeah, one of them oh. guys, yeah. Just check my house, save yeah. this salt water around there, and then like that, just, you know. Look, uh, Mark, do you have more stuff on that? or? Uh, well, I've turned, but I don't want to go into all, because I just, I'm conscious of, um, yeah, we could be here all night. Yeah. Uh, so here's what I think. Mm-hmm. If there was ever an episode that we did that has a second episode of it, this is it. Oh, several yeah. of our topics have had. Uh, we could definitely get another episode out of it. Yeah. But yeah, this is definitely. Because I, I like I had taken notes and stuff. I haven't literally touched one of the notes I took. Sorry, I totally hijacked this. No, 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 no. It's cool. It's cool. That <laughs> no, it's there's grand. so much stuff there. Yeah. But I, I would say in the next five years, there will be some kind of acknowledgement. Okay, fine. UFOs are real and they're alien. And we know they are and we don't know what they are. I think. Because if you think from the 47 until now, which is the real when the UFOology really started proper. Um, Modern UFOlogy. all that time, there's always been kind of hiding things. But in the last six years, and especially in the last maybe since the pandemic, funny enough, it was in the pandemic that they passed legislation to force the Pentagon. Oh, I, I didn't say that. In the middle of the pandemic, the, the government were passing a bill okay, we're going to give people free money because it's a pandemic and we need to pay people to stay at home. So they tacked on, uh, and while you're at it, uh, Pentagon, you have 60 days to give us, or 90 days to give us a report. So that was kind of passed through in the middle of the pandemic, along with the pandemic kind of a, you know, what do you call a work from home money bill. And um, the Pentagon gave them a report basically saying, 
Fine, fine. We were researching aliens and, yeah, we were, well, UFOs, and we were looking into it. And they admitted to, they had 144 cases that they, now, the Pentagon's standard for something worth investigating is, like, super high. Again, it's only military personnel captured by credible witnesses and cameras and all that kind of stuff. They had 144 of those cases, and they managed to explain one, and the other 143, they're like, we just don't know what it is. So, like, that David Fravor thing that I'm talking about, that's one of, like, over 100 other cases where the evidence is stacked so high that it's just kind of, that senior military officials in the Pentagon just have to take it seriously. And um, they released, like, a three-page version of that report to the public, but I, I heard the version that the Senate got was 90 pages, but it's definitely more. So, there's so much we're still not being told, but it's just... There's such a real interest and momentum in the American government right now to actually push this into the light purely because of, hey, wait, if this is real, what are we doing about it from a defense point of view? And secondly, if this is real, well, like we're paying people money. Who? Where's the money coming from? Where is it going? And what? And allegedly, the cost of keeping these things secret is actually costing more than the money that they're actually spending on the research of these things. So if you could take away the secrecy aspect... And I think at this stage, because remember the X-Files, the cigarette smoking man would come up and be like, burn the bodies, hide the evidence and all. The people can't handle it. I'm telling you now, if, and by the way, this is how, this is how I predict it's going to go, right? We're never going to see aliens land on the White House lawn. I don't think we'll see aliens, right? Not in our lifetime. But what's going to happen is a official revelation will be just declared probably by America first and then other governments will come along. Although there are, like France is one country that has an officially government-funded alien UFO research group, agency, yeah. But, but most countries just don't. And the thing is, most countries just are not looking. So this crap's flying around and literally no one is even looking at it. And when someone captures it or something, who do you go with that data? Nowhere. You can, just no one, there's nowhere to go with it. So America has got to the point where they're going to say, I, I predict in the next few years even, they're going to declare okay, it is, however way they're going to phrase it, they're not going to say aliens, but they'll say, you know, non-human technology that is there. They'll acknowledge it in some kind of a mouthy way to okay, say so it's to, real to put a point on and it, it's there. What do you think is going to happen in well, before, I think I, before 2030? Uh, yeah, definitely. But what will happen is news cycles will blow up for 24 hours and then no one will give a shit. Yeah. It's like the opposite of the X-Files where they had to keep it secret because or, people or couldn't handle it. They'll announce it at the same time as they want to do something much well, more clandestine example, and sneak yeah. it through a, yeah. a thing. Because I think that's what our government do. They, they, they do a big, oh, oh yeah. look at the thing, look at the thing. And then they quietly yeah. pass a bill that, yeah. that they know was going to be unpopular yeah. when the news cycle is. Surely they'll do that as well. Yeah. But I think that's how I predict it's going to go. But then once that happens, eh, okay, there's a thing and... Yeah. yeah, people. It'll, people nobody will move will, on. Nobody yeah. will care. <laughs> the people move on. Yeah, because yeah. that's the, our our attention span is not good. Yeah, for anything like that. Um. Well, that was kind of like mind blowing of an episode. It really was. It was fascinating. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I'm, I'm. I don't know if I'm convinced, but only because, not only because there's a, like. Here's the thing. If what you're saying is true, then yeah. Well, I can tell you this much, right? I haven't exaggerated anything. 
I haven't made anything no, up. No, no, I generally there are things like, for example, David Grush. Sorry, I don't know if I pointed this out. He's the intelligence guy who came out and said, yes, we have spaceships and we have bodies and all this. Those claims are so crazy. But he admits himself, he didn't see any bodies. He didn't see any spaceships. None of his information is firsthand. It's all other, when he was working in the UFO researching agency, he heard all these things from other senior officials and he went to the Senate with it. But those, this is what's interesting about that. He testified in front of the Senate for like 12 hours or something. So now they are going to subpoena all these other people and say, come on in here, tell us what you know. They don't necessarily need to go to the public and ruin their careers by spilling the beans to the, the public, but they're going to have to say to the Senate, like, this is what makes me interested in this. It looks like the government in America are serious about... Yeah, Is this why Trump started the space police force thing? I actually don't know. I don't know. And the weird he found out stuff and he was like, shit, we should have. See, this is but the this thing. But this is why his tiny brain was able to do... I'll, we need a, a well, military The question brain. is asked, um, who like, does the president, if there are aliens, bodies and space, does the president know? Yeah. And I think the general consensus amongst, I guess, UFOologists is... No. Um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. There's a guy, oh. Christopher Mellon, he's the kind of senior Pentagon guy who worked with Lou Elizondo to get these three videos leaked. And he... Um, He's kind of, his, his, he doesn't know for a fact, but he's kind of thinking, eh, some presidents probably would be told, but probably some that wouldn't be. Because, and if you were to, to tell a new president who's just in the door, here's all the things you need to know. He would literally be reading briefs for six months solid. Yeah. And out of a four-year term, that's a significant percent. So basically you tell him what he needs to know and he might ask about something and you tell him. But allegedly Bill Clinton was really interested in um, wanting to know about UFOs. And he said himself, when I went in, first thing I asked, where's the aliens? Where's the spaceships? And he was told, but this is what he said. And he said, and I was told that they weren't there. But then, yeah, obviously, that's, that's if you're... That's what he's going to say. That's what you're going to say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I would say Trump yeah. wouldn't have known anything. And I know for a fact, knowing Trump's personality, he wouldn't have given a shit to even ask one way or no, the other. probably wouldn't. And I'd say he wanted a set of Space Force because there's like the Air Force, there's the um, ground force. And he wanted to be, I'm the president who invented the new wing of the military, the Space Force. Yeah. Well, he would the, want to be the, the first one to do it. The Space Force is needed anyway because... Eventually, the Russians and the Chinese and the Indians will all have their own space forces and somebody's going to control space eventually and somebody's going to control the moon and somebody's going to control Mars. 150 billion for the International Space Station. Ooh. So it's going to have to be something with a few quid. Yeah, I want to know how much the James Webb telescope costs now. I know, yeah. That's, anyway, that'll that's be really some way of finding that out. Um, I think, will we wrap it up there? Yeah, I I'm kind gonna of. I'm going to call this the first definite this is part one. Part one. UFOs. This is definitely part, part one. Yeah. Because I have loads of stuff on, I think, myself, as I, Barry said, we un we misunderstood the brief. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I was like, I have loads of stuff on. My summon, Aliens. My, my summation was very simply that the truth may be out there, but the odds are we'll never find out. Actually, there's a summation that Sophie found. Oh, where is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I think she... Found this on Instagram or somewhere, but I'll finish with this. Mm -hmm. uh, or do you have anything? No, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I've talked out. <laughs> so um, what Sophie said is like, not believing in aliens is like taking a spoonful of water from the ocean and saying there are no whales or sharks in the ocean because there are none in my spoon. Yeah, that's... Exactly, but I think aliens is a whole other conversation because yeah, I'm saying there's SETI, the whole, Drake equation. Yeah. There's like the um, I can't the dark forest theory, and there's all these other Ooh, ideas forest. of. But well, that's that's, that's a specifically episode. alien yeah. thing for another day. I have to leave that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, again, 
even NASA is making such an effort to look out in space looking for life. And it's like, well, wait a minute, what about literally just here on Earth? It's in the ocean, man. Yeah, and actually there's another one um, which I'll, I'll touch on and then we'll talk about it in the Aliens episode. There's a, there's a um, Harvard scientist called Avi Loeb and he just came across some data of an object. It was, I think it was the first object that was from outside our solar system that came into our solar system um, and it just flew right by the Earth. And by the time they, I think they saw it in October 2013, but by the time they saw it, it was already past Earth flying away. So at that stage, it was going so fast, you're never going to catch up with it. So basically, you know, telescopes looked at it and all the kind of stuff but he looked at the data and said huh that isn't a natural formation it's flat it's got a it's shiny it's metallic all this kind of stuff and um he's kind of saying clearly that was some kind of an extraterrestrial object it might have been like a coke can that somebody threw out of a window but from from a half light speed you know just the fact of it being kind of a non-natural formation and it came from outside our solar system is usually significant. Now, at the time that it was spotted, it was already flying away, so they didn't get good data on it or anything. And mostly all the astronomical community were like, <coughs> idiot, that's definitely some kind of rock or something, just with a weird shine on it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a sh it's a shiny rock. You've got to, as a scientist, you've got to, what's the word, uh, Occam's razor kind of thing, the whole lot of it. But, um, but Avi Loeb is convinced, convinced, going on about it all the time, that it was. And, and again, he's not saying, it's an alien, it's a this, it's a that. All he's saying is, well, maybe it was. We don't know. And maybe we should be looking next time. So when something comes from outside, we can actually see it before it's on the way out the door. Yeah. And maybe then we'd have a chance to see what it is. So again, it's like the same and thing. Again, that, the, it means the, if there are aliens, they have to get a bit more careful now. Because they, they, they're, they're, if they are there, they're definitely tracking our communications. They know that. They know that story. And they're like, shit, James, what the fuck are you at, well, man? Yeah. You drove, you oh, drove no, too close to Earth. I'm convinced, though, that they're not trying to hide too hard, yeah. definitely. Because if, surely if they wanted to hide, they would. Well, maybe it's like you said earlier, maybe it's just some guys goofing off. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's like, I'm going to do a drive-by on Earth. Oh, don't, man. They're, fucking, they're getting better with that tracking shit now. They'll see you. They go, nah, I drive too fast. Mm. Then I'm going to go down and go and do some donuts in the Pacific. Yeah. Um, it's like a big car park for them. It's huge. Yeah. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Let's wrap it up there. Already? Yep. Is there anything else you want to add, Merch? No, no. Uh, Thank you. Totally talked out. I have like a ton of stuff that I didn't say, but I just really think... Episode two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode two. Part two for that. Uh, uh, thanks sorry. to everyone for listening. If you've listened this long, thank you so much for listening. Uh, throw some comments. Like. If you're subscribe. watching on uh, YouTube. Uh, yeah. yeah like the truth is out there. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, guys. We will talk to you later on. Next time. Next time. Boom.